I'm throwing a hat in the ring here for Goat. Hell no. Purely. That's a League of Legends no. stick right there, mate. Yeah, oh, yeah but okay. But you know what I'm rating here, right? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Side Select. My goodness. It's been so long since we've done an episode of Side Select. We've all been extremely busy and because we're very important people, obviously. So it's, uh, it's so difficult for us to find the time to, to record. But it's been about two months since we've last talked about esports on this show in fact it's probably even longer than that because the last time we didn't talk about esports it was our off-topic episode so much has happened we've had six-ish different prime ministers go through power here Look about that. that's almost yeah. like a joke i know the, the monarchy was overthrown by the grim reaper that happened in our time by the way, just as an aside because this is what this show is for like do you did you guys not find that kind of surreal? Because I know this will sound mad to anyone who's American or a foreigner, right? Logically, it should have been really likely that in your lifetime the queen would die because of how yeah. old she was, right? But because my entire life she was alive, and spoiler, if you know how it works when you're a kid, once someone's over 50, they look old, like the oldest they can. So yeah. to me, she was the same age. I'm not joking. Her entire life, my entire life. And I genuinely, yeah. this is mad, in my brain, she was never going to die. And definitely Charles was never going to be king. Like, I don't know why, but that really was like the reality for me. So it's only when she actually died, by the way, I was sort of like, That's a, that can actually happen. Like, I know that sounds yeah. mad, but I sort of never was prepared for it. Literally, I remember when, when I think it was like maybe a year or two ago, there was, there was a year where celebrities were just dropping like flyers. And uh, I remember seeing something like, so who do you think the next celebrity will be? Who are you expecting to die in the next year? And and like for two or three years in a row, it was like the queen. I was like, what? Fuck off. She's not going to die. <laughs> like the queen can't die, even though she was, yeah. It was, pretty yeah. old, isn't she? How old was she? Like 90 or something? Not, not over that. Something. I think like 90. That's pretty yeah. wild, isn't it? Yeah. She was pretty old, yeah. But that, that happened, which is, yeah. Sad, you know, the other thing about that as well, like, is, mate, listen, I knew a few people. It's like any topic. There'll always be someone where if you say, you know, Merry Christmas, someone will be like, that's ah, a pretty, you know, it's just a commercialized holiday. There'll always be the guy. But I didn't realize also half the internet would just wake up and go, you know what? Fuck the queen. Like, why, yeah. why, why, yeah, why is everyone just doing that? Like, what? That became way too popular, didn't it? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, I get like the odd person too. I felt like half the people would just like, yeah, actually, fuck them. Like, what? Not yeah. even one day. Come on. God. Yeah. literally they wait until she died like it was wild wasn't it yeah, that, yeah yeah that's the thing it's like you're talking about the fucking colonies when on the day that oh, she no, died mate. it's like wait the until she's to bring that up you pussy they yeah. they actually treated her like when fucking thatcher died or something didn't they it was just like yeah good she's dead like what the fuck yeah. like it's just an old woman yeah they're so biddy like evil mastermind puppeteering some kind of like world domination scheme finally she's kicked the bucket it's all over no, it's been a very eventful few months, essentially, uh, since, since we've been here. My, I think my my favorite moment was, uh, I have to say, when the CEO of uh, of of a particular particular esports organization was sacked for being friends with Andrew Tate. I thought that was quite oh, that was right. quite interesting. And if the rumors are true, lost his organization millions as well um, in the process, which I just find classic game of Rome moment See, i, I would was say you could say brilliant. based carlos actually saved his organization from losing millions because this whole thing by the way and i've seen loads of absolute weasels who of course haven't provided any evidence whatsoever for example i saw veteran post carlos has lost his organization 13 million dollars 
on where's that don't number wait, come from? Where's that number come from? Probably like, millions. Pull that out of your fucking ass. Like could be anything. And then the counter argument is, ah, but the value of the company goes up with the more things you're okay, sure, if there are buyers already lined up. Like you're just talking bullshit. You have no idea. In, in a year's time, I'm not saying it will be in a year's time, it could be the same as Overwatch League, and actually your org is worth less if you're tied to it. So shut the fuck up. You have no idea. Obviously, it's just, you know, it is what it is, isn't it? Moral of the story, never go to Romania. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Fair play. Actually, not that um... bad. I've been a few times. It's all right. Here's the thing. Put it this way. I've already set the standard of all the countries in Europe and that side, so it's better than most of the ones I, was... I said were really bad. Let's just put it that way. I was going to say. I mean, <laughs> I'll give it that. Like it was reversed. Yeah, yeah I'll give it that. Missing, uh, Wasn't there that... See, the, the, so I've never, I've never been to Romania, although I actually hear that Bucharest is actually pretty banging, but... I d the one esports related story I have in Bucharest, it was either in Counter Strike or League, I can't remember which, but there was a tournament. I think it was when Dreamhack Bucharest was a thing. And I remember a team getting in a taxi, and then the taxi drivers, I think this happened to two different teams actually, and then the taxi drivers just drove them into the middle of nowhere and just asked for a ludicrous amount of money. And they, <laughs> like, they could just, they're just fucked. They just. They can't go anywhere. They just did like a quarry. I've never or heard something. of that. That's usually, I know now it will obviously be considered, oh, how could you show that? But guess what? Things did happen in countries, no matter what the status of what. That was more yeah. Ukraine, was the one that was notorious for that sort of stuff, where like either police or some taxi would fuck with you. I've never heard of that in Romania, but I guess there's, there's going to be dodgy people everywhere, sure. Yeah. Well. Yes, anyway, so uh, we're we're here to, to bring you some more beautiful esports stuff. I'm so excited. I've got an all dressed up for you as you as you can tell. Um it is actually exciting. But that's all you do. Day. I bet as soon as Christmas Eve, I bet you're the guy where this the second it goes it's pizza, bro. This isn't a Christmas. All right. Thing. I was gonna say I bet <laughs> I, I bet I bet as soon as December turns, you're stretched into a onesie the whole month, like just socks. I bet you're just comfort more. I mean, I, I kind of am, honestly. I kind of am. I played a hockey tournament on Sunday and I walked I was wearing this, like not <laughs> okay. not when I was playing, but like oh, I, right, walked into okay. the... <laughs> I walked there. It's like on it, but it's just too cold, isn't it? And you know what it's like heating costs an arm and a leg nowadays. It does. So like, yes. You know, it, if it's in the negatives, I'm just I'm closing my doors and turning my PC on. This is basically a radiator anyway. And I'm wearing my onesie and so I'm yeah, sorted. I want to take the go. piss, but I'm wearing these on my feet. So I, <laughs> I don't know if I can really say say too wow. much. I, I won't lie though, Fox. I did think you were wearing like a uh, sort of pregnancy thing for women yeah but... i can i can i can see that it comes down to my knees like it does like it's a proper good that looks like something that gets advertised on instagram to women yeah. and it's yeah. like them like you know coming out of the work clothes into like a glass of wine yeah. like yeah. sitting in front of a fire yeah. with the dog like yeah that's like yeah, that's the one all in one item that they buy for like 30 euros or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Sure. i mean this was gifted to me by my sister-in-law my brother's wife that sister-in-law right so yeah it's if you're a man by the way that's actually how it's supposed to work obviously we don't you'd be a fool to buy it yourself but someone else if they give it to you well now i have to wear it oh it's <laughs> no, all comfy oh, exactly that's the, that's the hack that's the loophole just get them all to send it to you, to you. exactly yeah, literally that's how rich literally. got those slippers for sure oh uh, yeah definitely definitely yeah <laughs> someone wanted to represent the monster inside with the monster on his feet we're talking about some uh some league of legends today Beautiful stuff. I'll be in my element, and also, uh, of course, a little bit of CS:GO as well. Uh, oh my goodness, I almost forgot. Holy crap! I only got straight into the first topic without asking you a food-related question. Uh, my food-related question to you guys is: It's Christmas coming up, right? It's like December or something or rather now, right? So you've got a few weeks until Crimbo's coming through. I want to know 
What do you think is the absolute worst thing that should be banished from your Christmas dinner plate? Okay, because you've got a cr- traditional Christmas dinner, but there are maybe oh. some things that you think is just nah. You know what? I know it's traditional, but this has got to go. This has got to go. I don't personally really have an opinion because I don't really do Christmas dinner. My family's like exceptionally lazy, single parent. It's my dad. So you know what it's like. You don't really make the effort in that sense. Love him to pieces, by the way. Dad, you're great. But that's just kind of how my family's done it. So I, I, I unfortunately cannot chime into this one. So I'm going to have to go straight to one of you two. It sounds um, like Fox's life is the beginning <laughs> of like a Hollywood movie about a dad who works too hard in business, you know, or he hasn't quite, you know, he's always never making time for the kids on Christmas. Oh, I'll do it later, you know. No, and then, like, he... <laughs> obviously he comes in this Christmas full spread. Like that's how it ends, I yeah. can tell. It's mega, yeah. Yeah, he's wearing is... those slippers Rich has got on. Yeah. He's cooking. Oh, what you want, lads? Turn in the hall. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's how it all turns around. Played by Eddie Murphy, probably, or something, you know, Kevin Hart. Toad to- yeah. in the hole <laughs> is probably the, the British reference that is least likely to be. I probably shouldn't have picked that American. one, true. I probably shouldn't have picked that. That's true. Yeah, I'd absolutely take that. That's beautiful stuff. No, my, my, he, he's, he's just doesn't like Christmas. He's not, he's not a very, uh, he's, he's the kind of, you know, I don't know if this was when we were talking. Were we talking about this before we start recording or not? But you said there's always that one guy who's like, oh, Christmas is just a commercial. Blah, blah, blah. That's him. He doesn't like the commercialized side right. of Christmas. You know? So he likes spending time with family and he'll cook us a nice meal and then blah, 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 whatever. He's, he's not sure. horrible. Yeah, but he's that's the really start free. of the movie, Fox. Just wait until the exactly. end of the movie. You've got uh, over a week yet. Just just you wait. He'll be okay. dancing around to Christmas carols, as, as Thorin said, in Monster exactly. Slippers. That's, that's the, uh, All right. that's so the we'll, third act, mate. We'll melt his, his hippie heart and uh, get him all in the, uh, the Christmas spirit. But you can't dodge the question. What is the Christmas dinner item that you want to you, you want to purge? Or if you can't think of one, I will accept something that you think should be in Christmas. I've got dinner. an easy one, that even though part. it's actually a very very famous one. Like everyone who's from Britain mm. knows this is like a probably place where if this was like family fortunes is what we call family feud which in some ways says something already about the divide between england and america that's the same show the one that if you get wrong they go eh, eh, and then they go and Wait, the survey said here, isn't it? that's what yeah that's what i just said i oh, said in america family, it's called family yeah. feud oh sorry so basically yeah, 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 yeah you're looking for the top one on the board that the survey yeah. asked by the way yeah, that, yeah, yeah. if you actually know anything about surveys also just completely unravels that whole show and makes it completely worthless but anyway at the time it always seemed like oh yeah everyone does think that so the number one would be what i'm going to say now it's obviously brussels sprout isn't it like the problem is basically one it's one of those things i learned that if you're a kid like your taste buds and your palate are different so for some reason bizarrely to kids that is just one of the worst possible foods you can ever taste and this is why though by the way i'll tie it into a positive thing i'll actually bring some positivity to the year you know i always say the part of all the the british foods that americans don't know anything about nobody's ever had mint sauce i'm telling you they don't know what that means like for example if you say mint sauce a lot of them are even thinking of like almost like an indian like you know like a a white like Mm. like a soothing they don't know i mean like it's it's like it's just like it basically pieces of mint with like vinegar on or something yeah. and basically it's what it's what you put on like a christmas dinner or a roast in the uk and all you need to know is this this is why you know it is magic because this shit makes the brussels sprout almost taste all right like it makes it edible uh, at least so i think brussels sprouts are some of them i just kind of i despise that flavor man. i think it's one of the worst ever and i know some people really love it bizarrely but i cannot handle the taste of that fucking uh, flavor mate that's too much 
Dorian's gone with the devil's testicles. What classic one. You? Classic. What about you, Rich? See, your... if, I, if, I'm ask, if I'm answering, like, completely honestly, I just have to co-sign it. Because I think Brussels yeah. sprouts are fucking vile. I like, and for me, like, having them as a kid or whatever, like, it's one of those foods where it's like, I don't know, like, if you take beer or something, right? And, like, your friends are having a beer at 14, you're like, oh, naughty. And then you have a sip, and you're like, that's rank, but I'm going to pretend I like, whatever. Brussels sprouts, when I first tried them, I then didn't have them for, like, decades and then when i did again i was like these are fucking vile like there's nothing had changed me at all so they're up there i'll be honest even though they're fine i i, I'm, I think parsnips are overrated to be honest mm. I, i'm not I, i'd rather have like any of the other typical vegetables you'd have i prefer those other than brussels sprouts and i'm also not a massive fan of cranberry sauce to be honest like it okay. has to be a really good one to 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 tickle my fancy so yeah but brussels sprouts by a mile like all those other things that's like me nitpicking they're fine i don't dislike them but brussels sprouts are actually vile fair enough i feel like parsnips depends how they're cooked i never used to like parsnips but then they have to be crispy um, yeah they were I, my my girlfriend does some crispy in the oven and has like honey on them and stuff and i was like actually yeah, this, this is quite nice. So, so I've yeah. actually turned the corner on that one because I also used to think parsnip wasn't that great. I was going to say a shit carrot is what I thought it was. Yeah, but I will say, <laughs> as a random pro tip, I've got a little cooking tip for people here. Right, when I do keto sometimes, spoiler, look at me now. Obviously not at the moment, is it? So I don't pretend I am doing it now. I'm not Jacob Wolf. <laughs> See what I did there? Think about it. Think about his social media. Think about it again. Look at him. Think about it. So anyway, that's the end of the Jacob Wolf segment. But what I was going to say is this. If you actually ever do keto, you can actually make, though, a mash out of parsnips with like some cream and a whatever. That's actually really delicious. It's actually, it actually is quite nice. Instead of mashed potato. Yeah, carrot. And I was on like an anti-carb binge or whatever. So I I, I did parsnips and carrots. I mixed together with like butter. Sounds pretty nice. Yeah. It was, it was all right. Yeah, it was all right. Um, anywho, let's move on to uh, some esports stuff today, shall we? Starting with some League of Legends and the good old lovely continent of North America. Now, in the off season, which started pretty early for NA actually, and so all the rumors coming through while Worlds was happening, uh, it was it was going to be um, a bit of a bit of a poor man's LCS was what we were hearing at least coming into the off season with all these teams realizing actually putting a bollock load of money into our rosters isn't really doing anything, isn't going anywhere. We're all going to go budget and uh, not spend loads of money on our players. However, when it actually all said and done, it's come down to it. I think uh, that's not necessarily uh, come come to fruition. I want to get your opinions on uh, who's had the best roster change in the LCS in North America. As a reminder, 100 Thieves have picked up Bjergsen and Double Lift. A summit is coming back to NA in to Team Liquid, who was the previous MVP for Cloud Nine. I believe that was only like a year or two ago, right? Yeah. It wasn't. Is it spring? Ago. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Um, and they've got him Piosic as well, literal world champion jungler. Not even like you know, like washed up world champion, like when Crown came over. Like literal, he just won a world championship, and now he's coming over to NA. Uh, they picked him up as well. Uh, yeah, it's it's looking kind of honestly. I I was expecting a lot of maybe uh, the academy players to come up and stuff like that, and not a huge amount of, of big names or anything. But we've got some big names, and I'm curious, what do you guys think about the LCS off season and who uh, the classic phrase who's won the off season in North America? Rich, I'm coming to you first. What do you think? Yeah, just first leave like a little bit of framing for people who would have no reason to know that this is the case. Like 
this is what I call like the off-season budget cycle, and it happens every fucking year, which is there are rumors, usually exacerbated by the teams themselves, going around saying, by the way, just so you know, we're not going to be spending that much this year. And you can see the obvious reasons why they might be putting that into the ether. This happens in NA, this happens in LEC. I'm sure it also, to a certain extent, happens in Asia, although they're probably even quicker to snap on it, let's be real. But... This always happens. It's always, NA's not going to spend any money this year. Oh, neither's EU. And uh, yeah, we're going budget. So just keep your heads up. Then one team obviously cracks from this fucking ice-thin agreement. And then the whole, whole domino pile comes crashing down, doesn't it? So that's again what happened this year. And I'm really not surprised that uh steve did not stick to his we're going <laughs> super budget and you know we're gonna play. to be fair they did bring up someone from their academy a single so you know that fair enough i guess um i think in terms of who is the most interesting roster versus who is the best roster obviously not necessarily the same thing what i would say for liquid which i guess is like the most sort of a uh, biggest headline maker here that it's the obvious case of like potentially very high ceiling but also very low floor summit as fox said was a fucking mvp but do i trust him when we last saw this guy in playoffs i mean you could call it sandbagging potentially for how guy this bad was how bad this guy was right like he was absolutely <laughs> awful like horrendous um and there's also rumors of like his attitude and motivation behind the scenes like you know, the, the big question marks there. Then obviously Piosic, again, like on paper, wow, flashy new piece, world champion, blah, blah, blah. The narrative was that he was the worst player on his team, but easily the worst jungler probably in the whole of the knockouts in, uh, in, in Worlds. And how actually good is he? I suspect, by the way, on this one, I'm going in slightly the opposite direction. I don't think he like was outperforming players like, you know, Canyon or, or uh, the like at Worlds or anything. But and I said this when Maoran came over to Europe, I do still think that the East and the top side of the map, particularly in the East, just have such a better understanding of how to play that. And I think that Piosic being so blooded in the World Championship and in LCK and so on, he will come into NA, especially NA, with just such a better understanding of how jungle works. That doesn't even mean that he, he himself as an individual player is like, really god tier it's just he's a product of his environment in the same way that we all are to a certain extent so i actually think that especially in spring he's going to be really effective um and but then the problem is the rest of the team i have massive question marks over and this is why i say like high ceiling low floor right like obviously yeon came up from the academy was good in the academy but this is like a different level now albeit north america he ha, ha, ha. but still he has to take a step up right and then the problem with the mid laner, Harry or Harry or however, I mean, I've always assumed it's Harry because the guy's first name is Harry. But then when you click on the little thing on Leaguepedia, it actually has him saying his own name and it's Harry or whatever. So Harry, the mid laner, obviously the problem is he's from the Oceania region, right? So I feel like I have zero, he has not done a litmus test. Like I, don't, I have no clue about how good this guy is or how bad this guy is or anything. Um, so to me, it's a complete flip. Now, I would say that because FBI exists, there is an example of someone who has come over from that region and performed at a decent level. But most of the other guys, your Ryomas and uh, you know other players, have not necessarily hit those heights. So for me, he's just a massive flip, and you cannot rely on this guy being really good. So when it comes to Team Liquid, 
I, if they won, I wouldn't be surprised. If they came like fourth or something, I wouldn't be surprised either. Um, so I think I'm just going to have to play it safe and just say that Evil Geniuses won the offseason. Because here's the thing, right? You might point to Cloud9 and be like, what about them? They're champions. They downgraded mid lane. People talk about Jensen not having like the best year or whatever. That's true. I would, I would co-sign that as an opinion. But for those who don't know or don't watch ERLs, Diplex is a player, a, still a young player, still 19, but he's been hyped for ages. Or I say hype for ages, he was hyped ages ago. And then the hype has sort of slowly dissipated a bit over the last two years, 18 months or so, because he hasn't really been living up to that potential. He's always been on like good ERL teams. Like he's, well, he's been on Vitality B for the last two years, who have always been good. But I really don't feel like he stood out at all versus his peers for like the last year and a half, at least. So I'm kind of low on this guy's stock right now. I think there were just way, a, a lot of better mid lane uh, mid laners that you could have taken from the ERLs. And I do actually think it's a downgrade just when you take into account experience and everything that Jensen obviously has. So I guess you can say Cloud9 could be the favorites on the basis that they're the champions. They won relatively convincingly and they only made one change. That would be like the easy answer. But I'll say Evil Geniuses. I'm going to say Inspired's going to have a another another big year for him and because they're basically unchanged outside of that uh yeah i'll, I'll just say them i'm not a diplex believer at all so I'll, I'll say evil geniuses and uh yeah in spring i'm expecting eg and team liquid to start the fastest eg because they're unchanged team liquid because as i said i think they'll just exploit the uh korean jungle meta if you will in north america and then you'll see like some leveling out, but that's my prediction. Oh, I didn't even mention 100 Thieves, by the way. I don't care about this roster at all, honestly. But <laughs> like, it's cool to see double lift play again. I'll say that. Like, I'm I'm excited to see double lift play again. Bjergsen isn't good. Uh, Busio, miss me. I uh, no, no. I'm just not interested. But like, this roster just doesn't interest me. I think they'll be fine. Again, top four probably, maybe, possibly, but not beyond that. They're not. They're not challenging, in my opinion. Okay, and what about you, Thor, and who are you, you looking at with these uh, LCS rosters? The tough thing about this is, like, I would actually have just defaulted to a similar answer to Rich, which is because I have the experience of seeing Evil Geniuses, the core of their play team, play most of the time. And even, by the way, the fact that, like, Danny is the one they swapped out, if people don't know the history of how they ran that team... Basically, like, the joke is that he was, like, the most fucking protected ADC in years. Like, the whole draft was built around how he was going to play it, to get him through the laning phase, to get him past the point where he'd have a few deaths, to get him to the team fight. And if you got him to a team fight, he is an AD carry. He could clean up and he could get those kills. That's why he had all those pentakills. And spoiler, it was the Zeri season anyway. So that's why everyone had a million pentakills. So I actually think of all the teams, it's just the most easy one to swap out. Like, if you look at the players, like, FBI is a pretty good player. He has been for years now. Like, why wouldn't I expect him to be as good, if not better than Danny Spoiler. I thought he was better anyway. I even thought if you just looked at the champion pools at the end, like the difference is FBI, if anything, that was a bad season for him in terms of the pool. Once you opened it up to the things he plays, Aphelios and all the rest of it, he could play everything. So I think that's just a great, that's an upgrade in my opinion, slight upgrade. And I think in general, the team already had some strong pieces as it was. Yeah, obviously now they have this weird thing where they sort of like fucking do it, uh, the most pointless trade of all time, which is like, uh, we'll trade impact for some dates. Like, you may as well be the same guy, mate, at this point in yeah. their careers. Like, you know what I mean? Like, for their role, what they're going to do. But that that works. It's just a side grid. So I actually just think on paper, I've seen them play well. The, the interesting thing is this. If I wanted to be spicy, I would say it's FlyQuest. Because the problem is, look, 
sight unseen. I've never seen these players play together. So I have to give the nod to EG. I actually know they can be a pretty good team. And I even think if people didn't watch them at Worlds, at Worlds, they were actually, I thought, way better than MSI. Like, they they lost the games, but they were in a bunch of those games against the G2s of the world, the JDGs. Of the world. They could actually hang with these teams. They weren't terrible. So I think, like, EG probably wins. But I think on paper, there's a world where I think the FlyQuest roster could be the best. I actually think Papa Smithy's done a fucking amazing job putting this team together. First of all, he was the one who got the aforementioned impact. I love that move already. I've always said, I actually think people in LCS and LEC just make it twice as hard as they need to. If I joined LEC or LCS tomorrow as a coach, here's what I would ask. Right, can we get the absolute best carry top lane in our region? No. Right, sign on to Amnia or Impact, depending on which one of the regions I'm in. Right, deal. Right. So I've got top lane sorted. That's 100% sorted. I have no questions. I know exactly what I'm going to get. Now I can just build the rest of my championship roster. So he's done that. He's got Impact, which is in there. And obviously, the other key part of Impact is, is an NA resident and he doesn't even count as an import, so mega value always if you can get impact. Then he's got speaker, like look, I do think Speaker's probably got a tiny bit over it the last few years because all everyone says is like, yeah, TSM sucks, but Speaker's yeah. good. It's like, we are all going off years ago, though. We even saw he did show a lot of potential in his early years in TSM. So he was a player worth rescuing. I could see where Wilder is going to be better. The Vickler signing is really interesting because people watched him play when he was over in Korea. This was a player, actually, that showed some potential. Like, he actually looked like an interesting player. I wouldn't say, look, he's not like a stud. Like, if anyone just saw, like, fucking Zika win fucking Worlds or he's not going to win Worlds or anything crazy. That's not getting silly, but he was a player on the team that could have gone to Worlds. Like, they were on the brink. So I think that's an interesting pickup. That's more of sort of a Papa Smithy trying to do a reach, because the point is, people in the West just don't know this player. And then I actually think the Prince signing, this is where you know no one in the West, no matter what they tell you, watches LCK. They're all liars to a man, because this is not a joke, guys. Like, Prince signing for FlyQuest is more important than Pioshik signing for Team Liquid. And the reason why I say that is this. Team Liquid getting Pioshik is like, they just got tricked as rich says the cool angle is we get like a, a reigning world champ that sounds awesome on paper like oh my god but the problem is like you say like once you actually put in all the context it becomes less and less sexy like it's not like he was the best jungler he wasn't even close if people don't even know the beginning of worlds they even fucking were benching him because he was just shit in the bed and he always played so dodgy and so many bad gear so that one's on paper the big move but actually this one's way bigger because if people don't know prince played for the sandbox team that was supposed to be at worlds instead of the rx and the reason why for real this guy was was like the Korean Uzi eye. He was fucking mega. And if you just play the team totally around him, like classic Uzi eyes, that he could carry all the games. And it was really impressive. So I actually think this one is a banger. Now, I don't know that much about the Ayla guy who obviously Team Liquid kept hinting they were going to bring in or bring out and all that fucking shenanigans. But I actually think this team's just really solid. It's just a really nice squad all up and down. You are gambling on this whole, like the Korean thing works out. But the reason why I pick this team or I just default to EG is I think the other rosters are actually really whack. Like every one of them has a couple of players that are really really good. But then you look at the rest of it, it's like, that's where the budgeting is done. It's like, what they've done now, Rich, is this. People thought cutting the costs meant, right, everyone gets cut. Instead, it just looks like they've done that thing where someone doesn't know how you play fantasy in traditional sports, so they stupidly, immediately, you know, signed the last season's MVP of the NFL. Like, oh, I've got him. It's like, now you've got nothing for the rest of your team anymore, and that's not how the game works. What you're always doing is trying to get, like, a pretty good overall squad, and then you gamble on a few that are, like, low-rated. You don't go for the absolute best player, because it's really hard to build a winning team. So I actually think it's stupid as fuck, some of the other squads. Like, some of them, where they brought... Like, the maddest ones that you were talking about is where it's, like, mid and ADC that are the rookies, or the, like, the minor yeah. region players. Like, what are you doing? Like, I've 
think that Cloud9 one is mental. It's actually mental to me. I don't care what anyone thinks about Jensen. You at least give him a fucking crack for a split. You don't just bring in a guy where, spoiler, there was no hype of, like, this guy must be in LEC. If there isn't even that hype, just give up on ERL players, by the way, because normally it's too much hype for all these guys that they should be in LEC, especially mid lane, for fuck's sake, guys. That's the role everyone who's in the bottom part and doesn't make playoffs in LEC wants to gamble on his mid lane. So if you're getting these guys, this is like when they got to Kui. Fair play to Takui. He turned it around over the year and became pretty good at the end. Even so, he was still just a borderline like LEC player. Like he running being like the seventh or eighth best mid laner in LEC. So I think this movie's terrible, mate. Like I think the rest of the team's all right. There's some good parts. So the weird thing about most of the squads is I feel like they've got half a team, basically. So I'm actually down on most of the and the Hundred Thieves one, the problem with that one is it's just on paper we're all imagining it. No one really knows what level either of them is going to be at. Bjergsen wasn't looking that great. If Double If doesn't come back awesome, that team gets way less sexy. Yeah. And then I know everyone's got that whole thing of like, yeah, but think about a million yeah i agree if they make it to the playoffs they have insane experience but i I have no idea if that team's even functional mate and by the way just as an aside even though someone like double if i do think as he's proven is capable of coming back from these big breaks i think it's actually a terrible sign that you keep like choosing to leave the game that suggests to me your heart isn't in it you just don't like grinding and playing league so i don't know why this would ever be the best year of your career if i had to guess this would just be an average ass year they'll be like the fucking third best team and that'll just be whatever no one will really give a fuck after this year there we go yeah but what interesting to see they make worlds though because that would be really like i think it would just be cool you know just regardless of everything narrative sure yeah yeah just seeing Seeing double lift and, and Bjergsen at Worlds. And by the way, I will absolutely fucking laugh myself to sleep if they go to Worlds and bomb the group. <laughs> of course. Oh, mate, but, if they yeah. can do that somehow. Now, <laughs> I've just realized, you're right. I'm, I've, I've got to do what I used to do with TSM. People think I think it's funny when TSM's like this. They just shit around. No, I always want them to go to Worlds to get wrecked, of course. So you're right. I actually do. I'm pulling now for 100 things to make Worlds okay. for that reason alone. Yeah, it's, all about, run back. it's all about dying the, the, on the Oh, you muted, but, Rich. Oh, you muted. Oh, am I? <clears throat> He's still muted. Yeah, still Why muted. I think you must have hit the wire or something. Because it doesn't show you muted on the screen, so... That's right. He's, uh, I, I, I'll give my opinion on what I think the best uh, LCS roster is. Yeah. And for me, it's I, I'm, I'm going on the same lines as uh, as what we were talking about with, with FlyQuest for two reasons. For, well, I guess kind of three reasons. Two and a half reasons. Impact. When was the last time you saw him on a shit team? Honestly, like, I, I don't know why, but I feel like this guy, I don't want to say he slept on, but like, legitimately, I can't remember a time when he wasn't like a top three top in his region. And like, for the amount of times he's been skipping around teams, why? Just keep him. Just keep him. You know, and we was on EG and like Team Liquid and stuff, Cloud9. So he's always a solid top and he's always going to dick on people in the playoffs as well. Like, you see it time and time again. He doesn't need to prove it to you anymore. Like, he's, he's, I just, I just think any team that picks up impact, like for me, I'm just like, yeah, that's going to be a, a solid team. Uh, outside of that, I think Vicar and Prince as well, like are just solid pickups. So that's a pretty self-explanatory reason as to why that's I, I'm high on that. But also then I want to kind of combine those two things together and say like, I think a lot of times when uh, imports fail, I guess, especially in North America, I'm, an, I'm not, I don't know, but in, in general, let's say, um, I think you just you bring in this this player who's like obviously showing a lot of talent in whatever region they're playing in, <laughs> uh, and then you bring them in and you're just like, oh, he's going to replicate that success over here. Like he's clearly a great player. He'll be really good, and and he'll just carry our team. But there's so much more that goes into it that I think gets underappreciated. Like 
it's impossible just to pluck someone out of their environment, put them in a new one and expect the exact same results. But the fact that you've got impact, yeah, if I'm Vic or if I'm Prince, like he's like the perfect mentor. I could not imagine a more perfect mentor for someone coming over from Korea uh, and joining North America. Like it just seems, it's just brilliant. Like you've got someone who obviously speaks Korean for starters, but you've also got someone who's been around for forever essentially like what impact won 2013 worlds what was that 10 10 years ago bloody hell yeah 10 years ago ish more or less um vickler is 19 so he was nine you know and it's like he, he's grown up watching watching impact be impact you know prince is 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 a bit older he's 22 but he was again a child when when uh you know impact would have won would have won worlds it's like what a, what a player to look up to, especially when you consider like Korean, um, what's, uh, like 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 tradition and just the way that, that you kind of like, I don't want to say the hierarchy, but in general, like they there is that respect given to older and more successful players. Like it's perfect, it's absolutely perfect. Like if you're gonna have a situation, if you're gonna have an environment where you've got these absolute studs like Vickler and Prince, and you want them to uh, to succeed. You, you you're setting them up, I think, in the one of the best ways you possibly can with with having impact there. So yeah, I'm I'm really high on FlyQuest. I think it's brilliant. I'm a bit sad to see Takuri leave actually. Though. I will say that, although I do think really good Victor is an upgrade. You know, I was <laughs> yeah, I, I was really yeah. happy for Takuri the fact that he are you back with us, Rich? Yes, I, I am yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah, it's just a weird Discord bug. Uh, yeah, to to Thorin's point, by the way, because I think it's actually interesting. Because um, sometimes when you see teams that are laid out on paper, you say like. Thorin might say, oh, yeah, but you go for the carry, and if you can't do it, you do it. I can actually confirm. I don't think it really matters what anyone would say. We did actually, I say we, me and Otto did actually speak to FlyQuest about that. They did actually reach out to us about this exact line of thinking during the uh, during the offseason. So, yeah, we did actually have a pretty good insight into what they're trying to do. And I always think, again, to Thorin's point, be building a team with, like, an actual specific vision of how you want to play the game rather than, like, trying to hold on to a star and then budget everything else or something like this is always a much, much better way to approach it. Also, just to clarify something, because I think I hiccuped earlier, when I say EG unchanged, obviously not unchanged, I just mean like the core positions which actually matter in that sense, unless you're dealing with rookies, obviously mid, jungle and support are unchanged. But I think top, in especially in NA, I think top and AD carry, again, as long as you're not dealing with rookies, are pretty, pretty plug and play. And I, to Thorin's point as well, I do actually think FBI is a slight upgrade on Danny. I know people got really high on the whole like Jojo Ping and Danny combo and oh my God, people say NA doesn't have talent. Look at this. It's like, yeah, I was never like fully on board with that. Obviously, Jojo's a good player. Obviously, Danny's a competent player, but I don't think he was, you know, a game changer or anything in that sense. By the way, what's mental, which obviously we haven't talked about on this show at all or whatever, is, well, Danny's mental situation and mm. everything that happened around that. Because for people who missed it, basically... Obviously, during Worlds, the whole reason Danny apparently didn't play Worlds was because he was having a, a, you know, mental issues, under script mental issues, uh, burnout, whatever it was. So he didn't play. And then it came out from, I believe, leaks from his sister. I don't know if this is like 100% confirmed, by the way. Like maybe it turned out this person wasn't his sister and was a troll or whatever. But it was apparently leaked screenshots from his sister saying that actually he didn't have any mental problems. And it was just some weird like cobbled up story that eg came up with or agreed with him to, to go with or something like that which if is true is mental i would be 
usually inclined in an all things are equal situation to be like that doesn't sound that plausible but obviously you have to remember two things don't you one this is esports and two i think eg have not proved in any way shape or form that they are above something like this and also thirdly i would add i don't know if either of you saw the video that the ceo of eg put out addressing it but it was the most like it was bizarre. Like if I was her lawyer or even her representative or whatever, I'd be, I'd be like, oh, you want to address this? Okay, what are you going to say? And then as soon as she lays out, I'm like, no, you. there's absolutely no way you can get on camera and just talk for two minutes about nothing, not actually address anything and just talk about how much you love the players. And how the joke is the vibe I got from that video was like, you know, when someone who's just really manipulative, right? When you say, did you, you see, so you've done this instead of saying like, no, I didn't. They go, I can't believe you'd even ask me that, which is sort of yeah. like, sounds like you didn't do it, but really you're just trying to sort of like flip it on the other person. Like, how dare you even, even though actually maybe you did do it. Cause all I'll say is I can't reveal any of the juice at the moment. I have to wait a little bit, sadly, because in this particular case, there's people's livelihoods and mental yeah. states and all that jazz at but basically, put it this way, I'm, I'm with you. I'll, I'll just say that, Rich. I'm sort of leaning more towards the camp of there's some fuckery within EG. I already know this from CSGO and Legal Edge side anyway, but I've heard basically, like, we'll wait and see what happens. I can't give any spicy details yet, but basically I've heard some, there was some, specifically with this player, it's not as simple as they were just great people who supported him. Maybe it was more, maybe they in some sense created the environment in which he had these problems is all I'd say I've heard. Yeah, I mean, my my reason, as you alluded to, for not giving them the benefit of the doubt necessarily, or at least not giving them, you know, a, a special treatment in any way is because of what they have done in other games. But not only that, I also find it really souring to hear lines, and again, this won't be completely verbatim, but along the lines, when people say stuff like, Again, really sort of deliberately calculated and manipulative language. Like, I probably talk to them more than their families do. Stuff wild, like this is like, don't say that. Even if it's true, don't say that. Like, I just immediately assume you're a conniving bad person. Like, why would you ever say that? Like, the inferences there are mental. So, yeah, I, I, that video did not go down well. Well, luckily, and I must say, I have to, I have to make this point. Obviously, Reddit is still the world's capital of plebery. Like, there's no shadow of a doubt there. But the amount of things that have happened in the last sort of two years, let's call it, where I've gone on Reddit expecting the absolute worst, and I'm like, holy shit, like, they are actually sometimes seeing the forest through the trees. And this was actually one of those instances as well where most people weren't actually buying it. Like, this did not go down particularly well. Obviously, you're still going to get the dick riders, no matter what, who are just like, oh my god, the best CEO ever. Look at that base video they did for Worlds. I love it. Like, whatever. But yeah, I was surprised that she didn't even do a good enough job to convince the majority of the plebs on Reddit. So yeah, that video should never have existed. All right, let's move on to our next topic. We're hopping over the pond from the LCS to the LEC, still sticking with League of Legends. But there's uh, been some changes to the format for LEC heading into 2023. And I'm curious to pick your guys' brains about it, just as a... Uh, a reminder or a recap or a summary if you haven't heard about it there's now going to be three splits in uh in the lec not just the two there's gonna be winter spring summer but no fall uh, in the regular season you'll have there's 10 teams competing right in the top eight of those teams so essentially if you're just not utter shit you will make playoffs kind of play not it's not playoffs it's called the group stage where you play a best of three double elimination from there you get four teams coming out 
uh, and they'll play a best of five double elimination and then they'll be crowned the split the split champion if you if you get the way through that and then so you do that in winter you do that in spring you do that in summer and then after all of that you have the season finals uh, which I'm not 100% sure of like how everything's going to go down there but all of the split champions will go up against people who there'll be a mix between the split champions and the currently good teams and whatever yeah. and then you'll get the the LEC champion for for that year so essentially that's what's going to happen there's more splits uh more best ofs best of three best of fives uh, and it's not just you know it's all it's all getting overhauled it's all getting reworked here and specifically what makes this interesting to me is it's and i know that i know that lcs and the na has done the kind of uh what was it called it wasn't the plane it was the uh lock-in tournament lock-in yeah. that's the one thank you it was a lock-in tournament so they've kind of experimented with some like new format as well but essentially eu and na were sort of on similar grounds as to how they kind of went about their formats and when it came to our world's qualifications and stuff like that this really does kind of change a lot uh, and really does distinguish eu from na now uh, just another step towards doing that which has honestly been in the works and started with this whole rebrand of eu becoming lec from the eu lcs uh, my question to you guys is i want to get your general thoughts on this new revamp of the of the format here for eu and what you think this might do if anything to uh like to na do you think na will suffer because of this because they'll see oh this is a really good format the viewers will see it's a really good format and so they'll maybe get a bit disenfranchised with na do you think na might pick it up or do you think honestly not too much will happen in that regard uh thorin give me your thoughts i actually think this change is really good but here's what's funny and i know everyone's gonna go uh, i actually suggested almost exactly this change something like over half a decade ago what i always said was this you even built in the fucking escape clause for this shit league in the fact that the only re the word the only reason the word league is in lec or eulcs was actually for the game league of legends it was always called series and yet these fucking idiots made a league. Well, spoiler, series for me, what I would have done is exactly this years ago, I would have made it. I, I always said just do one split, basically, if you want a league, because I know they want league for guaranteed exposure, minimum number of games, all that. Basically, it's the deal you make to the team that bought the 10th worst slot and is never going to be in the playoffs. They, they get something for the millions of dollars. But I always thought it was obvious you should make a mini circuit because it's not just like nostalgia that people think season two was the shit if you're around. It just was the best because if, in the same way, I've always said this. A lot of people actually overrate my native game of CSGO. Like, what you really love is the circuit, you idiots. You like being able to see FaZe and Na'Vi take up that same battle in a month from now and see if Na'Vi's now better than... Fit. Like, that's... The game helps, but the circuit and the format is what makes it awesome, in my opinion. So, this brings you more of what I consider real esports, which is tournaments. Like, the playoffs is what I'm interested about in LEC. I'm not, I don't really give a fuck about the round robin. Fact. I just get into that for the for the talk shows and the, the drama and stuff. I actually think the actual quality is not very good. Like, as much as people want to use this sports thing of like, yeah, but what about like the Premiership, mate? If I was starting tomorrow, football over again, I would not do leagues like the Premiership and the Bundesliga and waste people's time playing against the worst team in the league. I would start off with like 
Champions League will be the first tournament and I'd build around it like a cop that maybe feeds, you know, I'd do all sorts of things. So to me, this is actually a very good step in the direction. It means a few different things. One, it's actually for me, because I'm not the one who bought the slot, a good thing that each time you're going to get the two worst teams and say, you can fuck off now. You brought a shit roster that's playing shit and you might be totally, then just get out. You, you, you can just go away for a month and we'll just have a tournament without you. Brilliant. Less bad games. Then you've got the fact that because now you're going to have three sets of playoffs and for more teams remember just like in NA they were going like eight teams deep the last few years now teams who were seven and eight get a crack at the playoffs too that means more playoff experience for everyone one of the problems people like Mad Lions had is we all know this they never won a best of five when they went to world so they had no they didn't really have like the full level of experience you'd want even though we know people like Unforgiven were good of course but the you're going to get murdered when you haven't been in the playoffs before, so it's also going to give way more playoff experience. And then, crucially to me, now that there are three splits instead of two, I'm also loving that because it means for great players, there is an extra crack at putting a, like a ring, as it were, on your accomplishment list. Because I've always thought one of the things in esports, it's another reason I always favour CSGO over the other games. I think CSGO narratively is a more fitting game because there are two world championships in CSGO and they are equally important to two majors a year. So what that means is you don't have what happens most famously. This is what happens in Dota and it's a nightmare. I'm not joking. If you go back in Dota and you put a pin every year in spring, at the best team and the best player they are, they have probably won TI like one or two times ever in the entire history of the tournament because you just cannot stay good from spring to the to when TI is and then even then there's the lock of the element anyway and pressure and all those other factors that come in so to me the fact that you'll have now three chances to be an LEC champion is awesome because it means that you can't have that thing where in my opinion a split was so long and, it, and there was only two each year that it just meant that like small things could just fuck your entire run up and history will remember you so poorly if you never get like like the best example is our mate forgiven like luckily he got the top four at worlds aside from that people can say things like he was never in an lec final if you know like these things do kill your career like it's really hard to argue against it you have to bring in all the other arguments that are about the eye you can't do the career resume alone so i think it's great that people like i mean i know now they've won but this would have per in past years have been perfect for someone like a rogue an extra chance, a little bit less pressure in terms of number of opportunities. So I think all around, I don't really see what the negatives are. Like I say, aside from unless you're the ninth or 10th team that are going to fuck up a bunch of the splits, they might even have it, by the way, like I say, for the business side, like a warranted complaint if we're not going to get to play much. But I'll also say as well, that's another reason I think there's a side byproduct of this that ends up being really good that I do not think was intended, which is now it absolutely is worth, if you're like what might end up being the eighth best team, it is worth potentially getting signing that veteran like a Jazuki or something for one split instead of just always gambling on the shit guy from the RL. Maybe in that scenario, you go, you know what? I actually do want to play in all these playoffs and see if I can get good and work up a world's roster. Whereas I did think the last few years... Everyone who was borderline playoffs or below was getting really cynical, in my opinion, with the pickups they were making. And yeah, you had the idiots, the, now it's heretics, the BDSs of the world who would come in and go, oh, I'm just paying four times more for this player no one wants. Yeah, you had idiots. But aside from that, the SK games, they were getting too cynical, in my opinion. So this just encourages them to actually do things like SK is doing now. Like, here's the thing, even if you're going to do like a gamble on one play... You at least keep like fucking Febivan or something in your academy that you could just pop out and actually use if you need. So I think it's all around an upgrade for the league. I, I like this move in general. All around an upgrade in Thorin's opinion. What about you, Rich? How do you feel about this new format? And if you can share it, because I know you're an agent for some of the players, what do they think about the the changes as well? 
or yeah. they yeah, so... sometimes players are just like oh what is it changing or oh, just show up and play you know yeah. if, they, if they are aware yeah so no I can't so Odwamne <laughs> is the head of the players council and he actually they actually in, in this region the players council actually has quite a lot of power and they and he really pushed for this format um, and what's interesting is I know that a few of the teams don't like this format and you can guess probably the reasons why. Basically, if you really, really suck consistently, you play slightly less games. And by the way, it's very slight, but slightly less games, like four less BO1s or something a year than if you didn't. So imagine that you're actually pushing for that. I think that says a lot about you if as, as an organization you're pushing for that. But Otto and the, everyone in the Players Council were really pushing for this format, which is what made it go through. And... The thing is, I co-sign everything Thorin says, but I have a, a few sort of small nitpicky negatives that I'm I'm not a fan of. First, what I would say to Thorin's last point as well is like, I think it's really great that in theory, it incentivizes the bad teams to not be as bad because there is so much more league to play if you're not bottom of the barrel shite. Like you go into that, you don't even get to play the fucking GSL system for, for people that don't know. So yes, the BO1s, then it's GSL, then it's playoffs. You are out in stage one if you're terrible. Stage one. And sure, you get two more cracks at it. So it's actually quite nicely balanced. Like you could get super unlucky, right? Someone could break their wrist, but like the whole team collapses. Who knows? So you get enough cracks at the cherry and you also get this incentive to not be completely fucking terrible. So I think that's a brilliantly uh, inbuilt incentive. My only problem is that, and this isn't necessarily abundantly clear from like, uh, seeing the format laid out or whatever, but there, so I guess maybe this is like sort of quasi insider info or whatever, but my understanding is for the splits, there are no road shows for the finals. It's oh, just really? played in the studio. Oh, that's unfortunate. And that would have been no, my other suggestion. Do one for each final. Yeah, yeah. You're not actually a champion if you win the splits. That's the thing. Yeah. So, so how does this work? Yeah. Then? Well, so you, you, you win the split, but you're not LEC champion. And to me, right. like, I would like to be part of. So a how narrative. does LEC champion get determined then by points? Yeah, LEC champions right at the whoever end. wins summer. Oh, it's yeah. just whoever wins. Right, yeah. I see. Okay, yeah. so we'll make it. Oh, that that is a downside. Then I will say because yeah. the other thing as well is the other reason I want more chances is I always say that's why tennis is my favorite sport. It's not just the sport of tennis. The format is awesome. Like because you yeah. have the four chances a year. Like that, that is a really good feature. Yeah. Yeah. No. So basically, yeah, this is like. Yeah, because you, you could see it as like the, the ATP oh, finals. Mate. You know like the immediate what? You know the immediate concern I have about that. Then it's like if you know how NA did it, they're just gonna like the first one maybe won't even matter. Then you'll that'll just be a warm up one if you know what I mean. Like because that was the problem. Like when Fox said there, the lock in tournament was a great idea. What did they all do with it? Just use it as like a weird warm up where they didn't put the real roster in and they went, eh, it doesn't matter anyway. And then they so they all took it for granted. So like in theory, yeah. if everyone tries, is a great format. But no, if, so... if, if 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 being the summer champions the most important, maybe people will just dick around in the first one. No, so so the good thing is that even if you win spring, like and then do nothing else, that guarantees you a spot in summer finals. It's like good. in the yeah. so yeah, they are all all the splits are worth a lot. As I said, and I'm personally going to try and drive and because again, I think this is slightly undecided because there was a back and forth where people said no, this they should be champions. Like if you win the split, you should be champions. It shouldn't be like yeah, you just won a bracket or something and it's a little footnote on the year. Like, you should win a champion. You should be a, get a trophy, whatever. So that could change. But as of right now, you are not a champion if you win. You just won the spring bracket or something. Okay. But for me, 
And, you know, with our award show or whatever, I want to make that not a technicality and just build it up like they are champions. Because yeah. in my view as well, if you think about it, winning the best of ones and getting through GSL in best of three, double a limb, then getting through best of five and double a limb, you yeah. have done more than any champion in the history of LEC, sure. by the yes. way. That is a more difficult gauntlet of challenges than anything that's preceded it. So I don't care if Riot doesn't say they're a champion. In my book, that's a fucking domestic ring. If you win, win a split, you did more than anyone ever before you to get a ring. So you deserve a fucking ring, even if Riot doesn't... Uh, technically give you one and i also like it by the way as a sort of format thing for our show because then it will you know move from four award shows a year which is probably a little bit too many to three where we have a sample size of best of ones best of threes and best of fives which is a fucking awesome way to look at teams and judge players like over the course of those kinds of periods so i i'm really excited for this format i think it's so much more interesting i think it also has the beautiful element of like when people get into the start of the season, people watch no matter what. When people debate, like, should it be best of ones, best of threes? At the start, in reality, it doesn't matter because there's been such a long break of no league that people are just excited to watch. As soon as that starts getting tedious again, oh, well, fuck it, we're on to best of threes now. It's now a series play. So I think that's brilliant. Mm. And then going into, because obviously the schedule's going to be a bit more cramped for people that don't know. It's going to be over three days. They're playing three times a week. I'm not going to say the day actually because it's not been whatever, but it's over the weekend and uh, fuck it, whatever. It's on Monday. It's now Saturday, Sunday, Monday is the new format, which some, some people complain about and thought, oh, it's more optimal if it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's sa Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Who cares? Um, but yeah, so I think that's going to be really good. And I don't think people should complain about burnout or whatever. If you're a serious team, you will make it to the GSL stage. So I don't want to hear any bullshit about, well, three teams to prepare in one week. Yeah, you're right. If that was like serious League of Legends, that'd be a problem. But if you have the second or the worst record in the league, I don't care how much prep time you had or didn't have, you don't deserve to be playing anymore anyway. So no, I think it's a really good all-round system. To Fox's question at the start, in terms of like ramifications for NA, I think it's bad. I think it's really bad for NA. I think NA was already sort of, you know, moving in a negative trajectory. I think interest was already waning and more people were watching, like way more focusing on LEC than LCS. And uh, I, I just think this exacerbates it. I think the lock-in sucks. It's a cool format, kind of, I guess, but it doesn't mean anything, so nobody cares. And then the league itself is stale, it's boring, it's BO1s into, like, the old BO5 system. I just think it's really uninteresting. So, yeah, I do think this exacerbates the problem. I think it's great for LEC. I think it's bad for LCS. And what's really interesting, and by the way, for those conspiracy theorists who are like, Riot is so focused on everything being NA, and, like, they get the best of everything, and they're disproportionately represented, and it's a shit league, and blah, blah, blah. Again... Now, fully contextualize this. Think of the production values and all the shit that LEC have done over the last however many years. It's been like S tier, right, compared to North America. And now they're getting like an S tier or at least an A tier format for their league as well. And NA's not getting shit. That ship has sailed. This idea that everything is catered towards NA. Like, clearly, these are two different teams of people working on things independently, even though they're under the same umbrella. And the LEC crew is just doing a way better job than the LCS crew. And it's just as simple as that. So I'm not particularly upset about lcs i don't really care for it as a region do i want it to die no of course not but you know for me if the premium product in the west is lec that's only a good thing so sucks for them good for us but overall let's just say that the western viewership i don't think will suffer as a result of this overall i think it will go up so all sunshine and roses for me oh, brilliant it's nice to see you're both so positive about it for me i just think from 
It's just just from a uh, competitive standpoint, I think this will make you better as well. Like you get more, more, more teams get more practice with playing best of series, which is 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 never a bad thing. I don't think it can certainly can't hurt with the region, make the region worse or anything like that. And uh, yeah, I think it'll be good when you then move into like wars and whatnot. We'll see if yeah, wishful thinking, bit of copium, but maybe it'll it will help with uh, having more experience there when you actually get to like those big tournaments where. By the way, I, I almost I think that. that part almost certainly will happen just from my experience in esports. Just getting more be best of five reps even is a big deal. Like I said yeah. about those mad lines, but they only played like what like two best of fives. That was it. Then they were just at worlds, weren't they? So that's not enough. All right. Let's move away from League of Legends, stinky game. Let's move on to Counter-Strike, CSGO. Uh, recently, a, a former Heretics head coach, Hunden, was unbanned by the ESIC. He was banned in 2021 for two years. He served eight years of that sentence. Uh, and, and now he's unbanned. He's done. He's ready to go. This was his second ban, mind you. The first one, if I'm not mistaken, the first one was about the uh, the um, the coaching like observer exploit where you could essentially just get info and see things that you shouldn't be able to see and then you could relay that information to your team and, and whatever so he was he was banned alongside 37 other coaches for doing that um and that was his first his first offense his second offense uh he was he ended he he shared some like tactics some of his team strategies to a to a comp competing competing team right before a big tournament um why he would do that apparently he was maybe in talks with that organization to perhaps join them at some point or something but essentially he just he just ratted his own team's strategy out he was the head coach for goodness sake and he and he just leaked his own strats to a different team um heretics was that team who he uh the strategies that he leaked and they immediately suspended him breached contract and then the esic got involved oh, it's heroic. 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 heroic heroic sorry not heretics heroic sorry, sorry yeah heroic it's okay too many H's. Heroics on the brain. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, yeah. And then their own independent investigation found that he was guilty. He was a bad man and bam, slammed with a bad hammer. And that was the two year one that has now been served and he's out and he's, he's a free man again. Now, there's a, been a bit of confusion why he's a free man, why he's being released, why he's all good to go. Um, and my question, I guess, to you guys is what your thoughts on the situation? Do you think the SIC has jumped the gun a little bit by, uh shortening his sentence and then i guess moving forward looking into the future because what's done is done do you think he'll have uh, any positions as a head coach um because when you screw over your previous org that heavily i feel like that in itself is a bit of a bit of a bit of a sentence um so yeah what do you think about the whole situation tell me your thoughts let me into your brain rich what are you thinking yeah, so just for a tiny bit more added context, it, for people who are like, what, how the fuck did he do that? Blah, blah, blah. Some of this happened, like the spec bug stuff was like during the COVID era. So there's like obviously a lot more online play and stuff like that. This guy wasn't at, at his laptop at a fucking major, like, you know, doing a spec bug or something. So that's why these kind of things didn't come out like immediately. Um, in terms of like the whole ban situation, obviously the oddity is that he gets the initial ban, then it turns out he's done even more fucked up nefarious things. EC, uh, ESIC even did their own uh, investigation to kind of confirm and clarify certain things, which then resulted in the ban. And then the statement they put out as to why he's been unbanned eight months into his new sort of two-year sentence or whatever, is that basically that they had a good old chat 
and they're all on the same page. So, you know, bygones be bygones is essentially like, to me, the essence of the statement. So I'm very confused by this in general. And in terms of like the precedence it sets and the what my view on these kind of things is, I, I would just say this, like when it comes to cheating, any forms of cheating in general, I think I have quite an extreme viewpoint, I suppose. I'm very intolerant of cheating. I don't believe that if you're like a 15-year-old kid, like if you're the eye by power guys even, which obviously match fixing is arguably even worse than cheating, or they're at least in the in the same ilk, I'm not a fan of like, you know, the all the kids getting banned and never being able to play again or whatever. I am a two strikes and you're out rule person though. Like if, if you're caught cheating more than once, then you're you're gone for me. And Hunden, for people that don't know, this guy's in his 30s, by the way. This is not some little kid playing for I Buy Power on his first contract or something like this. This is a guy who has been around Counter-Strike as a player for years, as a coach for years. Other players have come and gone. He's seen cheating scandals unfold in front of him. He's lived a life, for lack of a better expression, right? Like, this guy has no excuse for this. And I thought the two-year ban was generous like of itself when you take everything in its totality even though it's not really e6's job to like um necessarily bat, you know it's heroic who decide if they fire them for breach of contract or not it's heroic who went after him in the courts that's kind of separate if they want it to be but so far as e6 gets involved and they dish out a ban to me two years is generous for something of this magnitude and the, how much doubling down was done and all the fucked up shit with nico and stuff like that like I was already kind of a bit like, eh, I'm not sure about this, but I thought, you know what? It's not that bad because even though the ban's only two years, there's no way any team will touch him anyway. But silly me, obviously Astralis are always a, you know, they exist, don't they? So there's always a home for the scumbags of the world, especially when it comes to Counter-Strike potentially. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I find it very strange. I also find the lack of clarity in the statement for why his uh, he was unbanned um unacceptable to be honest i think if you're gonna basically unleash let's use the analogy of like unleashing someone who's dangerous to the community essentially <laughs> back into the community you have to be able to justify that more by saying we had a good old chat didn't we and and you know trust me the, he's ready to go he because his none of his behavior as well since his initial ban has suggested anything other than it's all about him and deny 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 and basically just behaving poorly in in every facet of this situation and investigation so i don't get it i think this reflects very badly on e6 i'm not surprised and i'm sure thorin will talk more to like e6 general reputation how they've been handling things and their operation as well police and its failings but i i think the whole thing's a mess and for me i would like to see if you've got, again, all of these things have to somewhat be case by case, but if you've got like a young player or an inexperienced player or coach or something like that, and they make a mistake of this ilk, I would like to see a firm but fair ban, as it were. Like, let's say, a, you know, if it's a player, like a year ban from all competitive play or whatever. And then for me, if you ever violate, you know, something in, in the realms of cheating again, you're gone. That's it. Sorry. Like, there's no way you're getting a third chance in my in my utopia for cheating like you get you cheat you get banned and then you got unbanned and you cheat again no fuck off you're not getting it's not this is not three strikes and you're out in my perfect world but yeah as i said maybe i have an extreme view on it but even regardless of that i find this whole situation ridiculous even in the most liberal interpretation of how these things should be dealt with to me this is ridiculous and esic is completely fucked up so that's that's my general take that's pretty strong i do think it's like i i fully agree with the fact that 
if you're young and do this kind of shit, it's very different than if you're not young and do this kind of shit. And if someone's in their thirties and it's like, you know, it's happened twice now. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, no bueno. Um, what are you thinking though, Thorin? What are your thoughts about him coming out early, especially? Right, I've obviously talked about this on a few different shows, but I've got some other angles that I can sort of do as well. Like, here's a good one, is I think one area that people are really confused in, I get it because this isn't a simple case. There's a lot of nuance, and there are so many different, I mean, at this point in time, because this has been like a, like Rich said, the, the cheating incident was in 2020. This is so many moving parts in this case and things that have changed and developed. ESIC itself wasn't around when the bug originally was abused, and this was one of the first landmark cases that they established themselves with. And actually, most people were quite happy with the way they seem to have dealt with the first round of the bug. But that's where, first of all, there's a key detail everyone misses. So I'll again just correct people so we all know in mind what we're talking about here, right? It's actually different when you get banned by ASIC from when Valve bans you from the majors. So what happened was, it's true, based on what Richard said in a recent video he did about 100, you can go check it on his channel. He says, basically, as far as he knows, it was ASIC that prompted Valve to create the demerit system for the majors. But that, like, first of all, that's like a Pandora's box you've opened that you probably just can't close because Valve, Valve operates. And then secondly, that is different from the ASIC ban. So, for example, sometimes the ASIC ban might be like a year, six months. The Valve one, they've given people, like... I think the Gary guy got like five majors or something wild like that. Like Robin couldn't be there when phase one. So that's a different set topic. We're not talking about here. This is not the same set of bands, right? So what I would say is this is what I think people get confused by is they think to themselves, like, I've made the rules and I've said you are banned. Why aren't you just banned? It's like, because that's not the law of the land, is it? Like the law of the land in Hunden's case would be in Denmark or whatever country the tournament takes place in. That That is the, la the law that supersedes all made up imaginary esports laws. Now, the reason why you're going to get confused is because in games like League of Legends, where Riot Games makes a decision, well, they're also the game developer. Now, obviously, this is why I said Valve and Isaac are different. If this was Valve doing something, maybe there'd be a different set of circumstances. But even then, it's not as simple as people are used to. So I always say the thing I hate about game devs is the IP rights, because they were created at a time when, I mean, they just barely existed, and there was no real precedent of something in the real world that's like them. People will know, especially thanks to certain companies with big fucking mouse ears, etc., they're way, way overreaching, like how much power they give the person. They essentially make you a god of whatever you created in a way that doesn't really apply, like I say, to any other thing in real life. It doesn't work that way. So the, the problem here is this. The reason why Valve or Riot Games can nearly always ban you to all this is because you signed the TOS, the Terms of Service, when you joined and installed the game, which usually is filled with all that stuff you don't read, which is just legally saying, basically, we've got you over a barrel on anything we want. If you like, you know, if you fucking use an exploit if you sometimes it can even be a smaller thing you know like you just bring the game into disrepute or whatever the yeah. you know some super vague thing the problem here would be this there's no valve thing that hunden signed saying you're not allowed to like use an exploit that happened you know that that, that wouldn't even be covered so i don't think people realize the real problem e6 had is hunden has exposed and peacemaker was ahead of him and did this already a few months ago they just exposed that if you just lawyer up and essentially say to e6 
see you in court, fucker, then they will just buckle instantly. Not least because, first of all, no one knows how that court case would go. But I don't think Isik has the money or, the, quite frankly, the spirit to want to fight it. They just wanted what they thought they had, which is they came in the game, blasting the SL was sort of like, right, we'll honour whatever you do. And then they just were like, right, so, OK, we made this decision. Everyone agrees. And then it was just, it was a house of cards. It was an emperor's no clothes, it turns out. And what's happened is now that's been exposed. So on the angle Rich said there, like, that's what everyone said. Like, oh, but... This is why I know PR is completely fake. It's not even a thing. It's just, PR to me is like hypnotism. It's real if you believe it is, and then it becomes entirely real and exactly whatever you want to believe can happen because like part of it's your own susceptibility to it, as far as I can tell. Because everyone says about PR, like, you never do that, that'd be like a death warrant. How could fans ever trust you? This proves that's not true. There's a ton of orgs. Ents kept the twisting. Ents is a tiny little, like, bedroom org. They even kept their fucking cheating coach and put him as an analyst for a while. Heroic kept hunting and just had him in the back room. By the way, even as far as we can tell, probably secretly coaching the players when not doing the match. So they all, nearly all the big orgs did this. It was actually rare examples like Mouse Spots and Rage and who didn't. It was actually very rare that teams were willing to have some honour and kick the guy out. And the problem is this. One, it's a meta game. If you know your rivals aren't kicking their cheating coach, yeah. then you just, if you have no morals, you just seem like a dickhead strategically if you kick yours. Because in this scenario, like, let's be real. That's how you also know these coaches are all good by the way if you're bad and you have a scandal you kick tomorrow of course it's the easiest but the problem was and Hunden's the best example of this if people don't know Hunden is probably one of the most eligible candidates ever to be a coach in CSGO because not only is he doing a good job like leading teams he has essentially discovered and developed talent repeatedly throughout the history of the Danish scene spoiler Denmark is the most talent rich scene maybe ever in CSGO I mean what's mad is it's even overtaken Sweden at this yeah. point in time if you look how many years and how many players brought through so the problem is the the value for Hunden is enormous and as by the way this is where it's hard to in hindsight say people did it wrong yeah I think Hiroka scumbags for keeping him but you know what when he no longer was with them and they finally did kick him rich for being enough of a dick their main rival's now taking him and their main rival now potentially will use him to build up a squad to now overtake Hiroka so you see what I mean you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't to some degree in that scenario so unfortunately sticky situation for everyone there and then what I'd also say is this to me, I know Foxtrot, this is how you know Foxtrot's just a naive young lad coming from League of Legends, believing in people, you know, the human spirit. People ultimately are decent. Here's the real problem, Foxtrot. It's not only likely he will join Astralis. I have no info about this, but I'm almost certain he will. Because if you look like Richard did a story a few months ago where it, we found out he works in a, a circuitous manner via Astralis. Like, technically, they get, like, a sponsor to pay him to design, like, aim lab tutorials or some, like weird thing that you think, well, why are you doing that? And they themselves, even at the end of the article, basically just said to Richard, like a source from Australia, like, and we would offer him a job as an analyst or something like that as soon as his band yeah. ends. By the spoiler, this is the end of the ban, thanks to this action. So if you don't know, Astralis doesn't actually have like a proper head coach right now. They took like their guy, who funnily enough was also, I think, caught banned for the same bug. And he was like their talent, like which is the equivalent of academy coach. And they just promoted him temporarily. So spoiler, there was no way he was ever going to be the coach of Glaive and Device. Like, that was never happening. So to me, I actually think... This just looks like how orgs operate. It just looks to me like what they've done is when they fired Trace, they were like, right, see, we haven't really got any tournaments, so let's just figure out the next few months how we get Hunden in, and he'll be the head coach. So I think it's, I think it's just going to happen, man. It's speculation on my part, but I think Hunden will be the next head coach of Australia. So by the way, I imagine he'll even be, he'll even be good at the job. Yeah. I just think it just shows like. 
that PRs only real when people believe it is. If you don't, if you don't, if you think that the actual tangible benefits worth it, you just say PRs imaginary. I don't give a fuck. And if you don't know, people from league maybe don't know this, but like in CS:GO especially, Astralis Org has basically shown through their actions over the last half a decade they don't care about a PR hit if they actually think they get like a win financially or in the service. Or I think they will have no shame at all about announcing this guy as their new head coach. Was it? Was it Astralis that Hundon was reportedly leaking? Documents yes. Anyway? The problem with that is that in itself is a little bit is a little bit tricky because here's the problem, right? What happened was technically he supposedly didn't share like the actual strats of heroic. He shared anti strats he designed against other teams. Now that does in some way help, and it also might even infer what you were going to do anyway. Yeah. So it is dodgy, but here's the part where it gets super spicy and becomes like House of Cards. Supposedly it was Astralis themselves, though, who reported him to ESL that he was doing this <laughs> before the time. So you're already thinking, well, that's weird. Why would they report him if they want it? Because here's the thing: I even speculate this back then because I've had a bead on that Nicola Nyom guy for fucking years guys I even speculated back then oh that's how genius these guys are I mean they're not everyone else is just a moron and then they're just like fucking normal sized human like oh hello idiots like <laughs> the joke is I think they actually did all of this to destroy their rival and then take the coach anyway it's like now like the joke is in this scenario like basically Hunden's job was like the beginning of the fucking Dark Knight Rises to crash the heroic plane and then he would just jettison out with Nicola Nyom and he survives into Astralis. So yeah, unfortunately, I know it sounds mad because it sounds like, and by the way, here's the other detail that's the other kicker that shows how mental Astralis is Foxtrot. One of the teams in the first instance he cheated against was Astralis. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that mental? So he cheated against Astralis, then leaked strats to Astralis, now goes into Astralis, and magically they say we would give him a job in his band <laughs> ended tomorrow. Like, get out, you know, they say, I, see, I can sort of see the signs coming in. It's like a highway. I can get off a few miles out, kind of. Oh, it's coming up in five minutes. Come on, this is too obvious, isn't it? <laughs> Wow, see that this is juicy. We need some more drama like that in the league. Oh, it's CS goes mental, mate. Because the, <laughs> the things you can get away with in the wild, obviously, because like I said, there's no valve stepping and they don't give a fuck, mate. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's more to do. I, I, I've always envied that, honestly, about the CS go scenes. It's more kind of controlled by independent organizers, which definitely has its its downsides as well, right? Because I'm sure they're not all, you know, great. But um, the fact that Riot has just like the monopoly on everything in League, I always thought was a bit disappointing and there was more opportunities to do stuff in the CSGO format. But but yeah. Um... You know you know what's mental as well, by the way? It's like, I so this happened a, a couple of months ago. I got added by uh, someone who was trying to sell me private cheats like the custom made built from the ground up like you know they're not like the commercialized just piss out a million a minute online to every player who pays 20 quid a month or whatever like the, the the basically versions of the cheats that it's rumored that loads of the cs pros use or get their own guy to create or whatever and the re i said to this guy i was talking to him i was like because it wasn't just a random spam ad or something basically my name just as like an esports person, I guess, and I guess he got his wrong data sheet up or whatever, appeared as a contact detail on this list of people that he's contacting. So for whatever reason, I'm I'm on on this list with other people, and he's telling me about other names in the CSC, let's say, who he's used services for in the past, and he's caveat it by saying, by the way, 
the any name I told you now is obviously people I have worked with, I no longer work with, blah, blah, whatever. And he's throwing out names. And I have no idea if this guy's full of shit or exaggerating or or whatever the case may be. But I'd completely forgotten about... I don't even play Counter-Strike, by the way. I haven't played that game in fucking years. But I, I'd completely forgotten about like the whole previous drama. Obviously, it started with Flusher and then like people and... Uh, uh, what was the French author Ishima? called? No, oh, you other, mean Kaylee? Kaylee, yes. and, and and you know it was. Who was it the was guy that did the jumping peak on on? Uh, that was Kaylee as well. Yeah, is that Kaylee? Okay. It was speculated <laughs> that there were loads of players that using basically flusher cheats or custom cheats, or whatever. And then when this this cheating scandal came up with the spec bug, it kind of got a mini revival, at least in terms of like the the discussion of like, and we still don't know like how many pro players are cheating. Were there? And I've always thought like. It is actually mental that I'm not saying Flusher was definitely cheating or not. I suspect that when there is, and I hate the expression where there's smoke, there's fire, but where there's smoke in every single fucking village for 20 miles, I'm going to say there's more likely than not probably a fire that started it. Uh, It is mental that like no one ever got to the bottom of any of these things. Like, and for all I know, if someone said to me tomorrow, there are 20 tier one pros who are using custom cheats to uh, in competitive games, whatever, I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. And by the way, because I've had a chat with these people, I've seen a little bit about how they work and they are not the kind of things that if you're peering over at someone's screen, you would even see visually in any way, shape or form. It is just stuff that you can... Uh, well, yeah, let's put it this way as well. If Some you of them were even mouth... designed, basically, like Richard's saying, so that you could do it at a LAN. Like, for yes, example, you can exactly. have ones where it just as an audio cue where it's one tiny little dot or something. Yeah, there's a lot of hacks I can get around yeah. it. And loads it's of not a blatant well one like uh, everyone thinks it would be, you know. Even if you have to submit your mouse before and stuff like that, there are really quick workarounds, like super fast workarounds for this kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm I'm curious. I'm, I'm sure at some point it will come out or maybe someone who will just retire will talk about old teammates or something when they're far enough removed from the situation but i bet there's so many fucking cheaters man and what it shows as well what the spec bug thing showed obviously it's not like the most extreme version of cheating but what it does show is people will always try and get away with as much as they possibly can no matter what like whatever the edge they think they can get oh now i'm in an online scenario what does that mean what does that now mean i can do which i wouldn't be able to do you know offline and this is also of course why people always devalue online and say there's a million fucking variables for what could be going on and like to me you don't you know really prove yourself until you do it at LAN well in some cases you might not even fucking fully prove it if you do it at LAN but obviously that's the best barometer we have but no I think I'm I think in the next couple of years you're probably going to see all kinds especially as more people retire right like when more people come to the end I think you'll start to see either them or teammates of them or whatever come out and talk more towards that but i bet it's mental it's so hard to fully clamp By the down way, the reason why this is also so annoying is because if you're an insider you knew this all along but the famous retort that idiots on reddit used to say and they thought this was like a fucking axiom of philosophy or something they would go but how would anyone cheat if you got caught it's like and this <laughs> turns out they were all doing it you moron the joke is it's not a joke you can actually just name the people who didn't cheat it's shorter list just quicker. Mm. The other thing I'd say, by the way, one thing you touched on as well that was very weird about this is the easiest PR win of all time is just apologize in all cases. Yeah. Take show contrition, show remorse. By the way, even if you're faking it, like I told Simple over half a decade ago, just pretend you dumb fuck. Just say you're sorry and lie. Like, can't you at least do that? Like, at least give us something. Because so, that way you give people a chance to believe you're not that bad. The mad thing about this one, Foxdrop, is if you actually look at the way Hunden behaved, 
this is what's wild. He never did see uh, the first one, just the bog. He did the right things and said, you know, I'm sorry or whatever, did the wrong thing. But each subsequent incident, he actually himself was indignant that people were sort of calling him out or this would be punishable. And he even for real, if you saw some things he did after even all the shit he did with Nico, that it was almost like those stories you hear in the paper where it's like some guy not only like murdered your kid and then gets away with it in court, but then like they intentionally like taunt the victim's family as like the leader. Mm. And you just think like, why is this like a movie? Why? <laughs> do that you know like that's just unnecessary but that's like what hunter was almost doing like if people don't know after all these bands he had his twitter picture profile on yes. twitter of him his face with that meme where it just goes fuck them kids it's like you actually have ruined young men's lives you fucking idiot like why would that even be the meme we would go with like look i know denmark if people don't know they're a little bit darker in their humor than like the swedes etc they are quite culturally different but even so like that just looks so bad that's why the joke is astralis is actually ironically the perfect dog for this guy yeah. this is just a bunch of people who don't care about these things and we're willing to take the PR and just go, you're just lying and then just get away with it anyway. So why not? Like, it's actually sort of like they almost deserve, they almost deserve each other, put it that way. All right. <laughs> Let's move on then for, uh, for our last topic of the day from CSGO all the way back to, to League of Legends. Uh, recently, Freak has announced that he is retiring from shoutcasting. Freak has been around since... The dawn of League of Legends time, straight up. He's been a writer since essentially its inception. Uh, he he even hosted the first world championship in his basement, and and now he's he's hanging up, and he's going for he's going to move towards game design, very similar to what Jack did actually a few years ago, and then Jack came back, and then he left again, and then he was a coach, and I don't know, whatever. So, uh, but, but Freak is is says he's going to retire. He's not going to be a play by play caster anymore. He's going into a different side. Uh, with with riot now freak as a as a as a figure in the shout casting community is somewhat polarizing um recently i say it's been more positive than negative but people have criticized him for whatever people always complain about casters for doing x y or z wrong and they don't like it um, but there's no denying that he has been a staple for a long time he's a legend in the shout casting scene uh, and honestly, in my opinion, he will he will be missed. Uh, from this, I want to get your guys' opinions, like what you feel about about Freak moving away from casting. I don't really want to get too much in like the whole kind of um, like ecosystem of casters and then moving out of casting into different positions. Like we've seen so many times, like time and time again, like you know Papa Smithy, Deficio, a lot of the uh, Oceana guys as well, moving into like coaching and stuff like that. Obviously, as I mentioned, Jat and now Freak. I don't really want to talk about about that because it's a whole different topic to go on about. Um, I just want to know what you what are your feelings about him leaving and and in general, not just in League of Legends, but in general. Uh, I feel like Freak's name has to come up as, as one of the goats of shoutcasting. But like for you, who is your goat of shoutcasting? It could be any game, any person that you really enjoy listening to uh, present you your esports. So Thorin, hit me up with your opinions. Here's the thing. People might notice I've always had a very different like uh, dynamic with what I think about Freak than almost anyone else in the scene, which is I actually it's funny that it took Reddit like years. I'm talking like maybe half a decade before they like were like this guy's a bit annoying actually. Like I don't know how that took you half a decade, guys. Like I cracked that like a week in. I remember thinking like. 
it's this guy. I remember saying to some people who were behind the scenes talent, like, is he just intentionally obnoxious? And they were like, this is the key detail they don't know, though. They were like, no, he actually believes all that shit. So this is what people don't know. It's a famous thing. I've mentioned it on this show in the past. People always do this thing on Reddit where everyone on Reddit, basically the default position is this. I'm a genius. And everything I do is always like a plus EV chess move where I'm always doing the... So famously, right, if you've ever been on a forum, Reddit's just the ultimate forum, basically. Like, if you just said to someone, like, I just bought a new Nintendo game at the retail price, then you're instantly a dickhead because they always have the hook up and got it for cheaper and they got two weeks. You know what I mean? Everyone has to pretend to be this, like, absurd figure that they're not. So as a result, people always talked about people like um, Freak and famously the same with those other sports figures, Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bit. They always say the same thing. Uh, what they're doing is like 500 IQ Jenga. They don't really believe any of that stuff. They sit there like a focus group and they come up with the crazy... They, yeah. People say this about me. They come up with the perfect contrarian take that's just going to upset everyone because they get like, you know, step four, question mark, question mark, question mark. Step five, they just profit from it somehow. They just make millions from having tweets that people don't like. Spoiler, if that was a real career, why would I waste my time doing all the videos? I'd be a millionaire, wouldn't I, you morons? I'm probably the best at doing bad tweets that no one likes. I'm fucking go of it so <laughs> that already I always thought was a nonsense angle the key thing for me is this you can get annoyed by it don't worry I get triggered by loads of free takes but I take it like Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless if I don't like it I'll mute it there and what I actually learned was I don't mute those guys and I do not mute freak there's another thing I don't lie like every other dickhead does and pretend they yeah. mute the cast none of you mute so the cast crazy. that's why you all get triggered by what you hear on the cast you fucking idiot so, so, so what I do is this I do actually like to hate freak's opinions so what I learned was that's actually for real. One thing I think he actually did a really good job with. League of Legends broadcasts can be very boring, in my opinion. It is just a bunch of people agreeing. Part of it's because they get into the vibe of like, yeah, and then this too, and then, yeah, what about this as well? Like, a part of it's like that improv vibe. So I also always thought Freak was actually a very good, like, villain character. And he is like, a, 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 and he's supposed to be like Vince McMahon in wrestling. You're supposed to not like him. I mean, look, he didn't do that intentionally, but that just became sort of his role that worked somehow. So I always thought he did that role very, very well. And I actually thought as well, even the stupid opinions like, oh, Rumble is not a good jungle. It would, it would actually spark really interesting discussions. And he was almost the perfect foil for any of the analysts that we all love. LS, Monty, Dom. Like, it, you actually want someone like Freak to go on the broadcast, say something stupid, and then them to come in. Because the difference is, people tried to make it like Jack did that. Jack very rarely did that. Some people just didn't like Jack and they would always spin it like that. Actually, he was a fairly safe caster most of the time. And he stayed quite within the bounds. And guess what? Spoiler, no. Actually, Jack many times predicted like the European team would win when they were the better team. You know, like, actually, he was way more on the rails. For me, Freak actually played the rare role of villain for the a League of Legends broadcast, and it was only people like Monty's in the world that ever did that otherwise. So I thought it was actually quite an important role. I'm glad, I'm glad he was around all those years. Even if, like I say, I don't vibe with the takes myself. And then in terms of who my GOAT would be, the problem with this discussion, like all GOAT discussions, is obviously there's all their different eras. So, for example, back in the day, I probably would have picked, like, I mean, the the most old school goat candidate is obviously DJ Wheat. But the problem with that is that's like some Pele shit where it's like, yeah, but then you look at the footage and it's like, who are you playing against? What's the game? You know what I mean? Like, unfortunately, there'll always be a bias against that because, I mean, people are going to know this. Like, I could take highlights of one game of Ronaldo and Messi and it's better than any, better than the entire highlight reel of Pele's entire career because that's just the nature of football. So the problem with the DJ Wheat one is 
if you it won't sound very good now, essentially, it'll sound like the most basic casting ever, even though essentially he was pioneering a lot of the shit we did. Then you go on later in time, similar scenario, Joe Miller at one point in time was goated as fuck. And spoiler, without giving away any secrets that maybe in a few years I will, all I'll say is this. He also partied so fucking mm. hard, but then could also do his job that like I, even that I have like a begrudging respect behind the scenes. <laughs> that like this guy really was on some like fucking Keith Richards shit where like he was going out on stage like that and just fucking banging out all the classics and you don't even know he was fucking you know smoking puff the magic dragon or whatever you get them you get the reference so then after that you have the people like if we're going any shoutcast it doesn't have to be play by play I think Monty was very very good at what he did I think his polish was fucking incredible I think Henry G was very good in CSGO I think he was probably the best ex-pro person to work as talent but the thing is I've gone, I've gone security Anders had a great voice and vibe but my simple one I said it earlier basically it's Sadikist Sadikist is the number one caster of all time in my opinion because he actually I know we were talking about some of this before the show started but basically the gist is I think he nails almost every area the only area he doesn't nail actually by the way is just trying to be as lovable as possible which is the thing yeah. casters often do he is willing to be edgy but if you look at his casting one technically he has some fucking phenomenal skills like if you did sort of like you know an NFL combine tech, he'd, he'd have the highest reach and the fastest 40 meter sprint and they could like his actual technical skills are very very good like put it this way go and look at sequences he does where he does like a speedy like rap gun type. he can just speak the whole time he's like fucking the rapper twister people don't know where he's not just doing it fast you can also hear every word like it's actually just good and then on top of that I also thought Sadikist is just the best ever at painting like uh, visual imagery using verbal imagery as it were like putting a reference to something in doing something like waxing lyrical as people see over yeah some of the best basically I, I've always said this if you actually did a uh, like I said about the Pele example if you did a highlight of Sadikist's career no one else has as many sound bites as this guy no one else has as many great segments like the joke is the others would all have two or three really iconic ones Sadikist probably has 20 I'm not exaggerating I think he's just a goat to me what about you then, Rich? What are your thoughts about Freak as a caster and uh, him moving on? And then what are your what, who's your goat caster? So yeah, what was quite interesting when Thorin was talking about that is he kind of described like my what is actually my entire Twitter philosophy, which is for anyone who doesn't know. So unlike Thorin, I've never blocked anyone on Twitter, literally never. And if you see the people I follow as well, there's a smorgasbord. I'll be like, yeah, I can see why you might follow that person. And then you're like, what? Because I love following people that I dislike, or especially if they're like in a cringe way or something like that. That's 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 crack cocaine to me. So like, and by the way, those of you who I follow, you can uh, work out for yourselves which one of those kinds of people you are. Uh, in terms of freak, yeah, I never really vibed with like the sort of tryhardy punny style i didn't ever really like it uh I, I mean i don't think he's bad and i actually think if you listen to a recent or some of the more recent stuff that he's casted i actually think he's pretty decent he much, got a lot better in the latter years yeah for much sure. better than like yes I, I remember when for people that don't remember when uh when it was the old school challenger system which basically you they play lcs and then after that directly after that on the same stream they played challengers and Freak and Zyrene used to cast all of those. So I he used to cast all of our games, uh, H2K games, before we were in LEC or EU LCS back then. And I did not like his casting at all. I actually preferred Zyrene. And I, Zyrene's like, I don't think Zyrene's an amazing caster. He's completely fine. He's what I call like a default caster, like does the job, definitely doesn't annoy you that much. And I just found Freak irritating. But then I listened to some of his casts that he'd done more recently. Um, and I thought, actually, you know, not not bad. Still not like my cup of tea and definitely not in the GOAT debate for me. In terms of what he's done for Riot, 
he should be in their Hall of Fame. Like, mm. if there's a Riot Hall of Fame, he's in it for sure. Like, he has been a pillar for Riot. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go. Yes, I, I might be mistaken. Hasn't he joined every single international event or something? Off the top of my head, it feels think, like he has, I think right? Probably. And I if think he hasn't, the only mainstay, right? Yeah, and if he hasn't, it's because he decided probably that he yeah. wants yes. to do one. I'm Agreed. Sure. Um, but yeah, so if, for, I'm going. I'm going to go pretty old school for for my picks because I think as well. Like the thing is with Sadikist, it's like Sadikist is like, and this is obviously true of anyone ever. But to a certain extent, people are like the products of what came before them, and obviously. You shouldn't hold, ever even hold that against someone by the same extent. Like, that's not his fault that people existed before he did. And he is, I would agree that he's like probably the most polished all-rounder. But I actually think there are examples of like people from back in the day who were actually, let's just, I'll throw out an arbitrary number, 75% of the caster that he was, but with way less sample size of what esports casting even was like before then. And some names I throw out, I mean, for me, Joe Miller was unreal. Like this guy was so good and he would cast like multiple games. And this, this applies for a lot of the names I'm going to mention who cast in multiple games. But I was always super impressed with Joe Miller. I think in terms of cadence, flow, knowledge as well. Like even if he was doing whatever he's doing the night before, he wasn't lazy with like his information on teams and stuff like that. He always came across as very well prepared, didn't stumble, didn't fuck up with connectives, no uh, 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 like, you know, slipping over himself. Um, Actually, our good old friend, although he's been a disaster in what I would call, basically, this is way too generous an analogy, but D-Man is like Arsene Wenger in the sense that the second 10 years of his tenure... Are a complete disaster. Oh, I see what you mean, right? But, <laughs> so people are going to think he's a meme now, but he was legit. Yeah, exactly. Then, right? And he, he was legit. He, he wasn't an Arsene Wenger, obviously. He was not the Arsene Wenger of casting, but he was good. And again, he casted multiple games. And I actually thought, like, he did Call of Duty for for people that don't know, like, way back in the day. And he was really decent. And him and Joe Miller used to cast Call of Duty before they casted together doing the EU riot stuff. Um, and they were. They were re- they were both really good, and I, I thought he was good. Not as good as Joe Miller, though. One name that I'll throw out. I don't even know how many games this guy casted. It might just have been Call of Duty, and maybe you haven't heard of him. There was a guy called Ozbot who was like... I've heard of him ever, mate. He was an American, but he used to cast a lot of European esports, and he was... The problem with him, like someone like him would not survive now because he was like very edgy, and he would have, like I feel, a kind of... These small, not like full soliloquies of pre-written bullshit, like a Peter Drury or someone, but he would have like these little tidbits or like bullet points that he, if if certain things that were fairly likely to happen happen, he would like whip out. But they always came across as like very natural and like really well timed and well placed. And he had like a really good cadence and all the rest of it. Thought he was really good. And the other name I'd throw out now, this guy is Marmite because some of his casting is definitely cringe and he goes like really overboard and he casts every match as if it's like the absolute pinnacle of like humanity versus the aliens attacking us or something. But I used to like Tosspot. I thought Tosspot would like bring a really uh, kind of high stakes energy to everything that he cast. The problem is he only had one gear, which was that gear. And if it's like, I don't know, 10-2 to a team or something going into the next round. He's building it up as if like it's the final duel between Zeus and Hades or something. And this would grate on you if it's like two bad teams play against each other and no one really gives a fuck or whatever. So he was like, he, he was a little bit cringe, but I think he was also doing things and had certain mannerisms that a lot of modern casters have now or, or have borrowed from or whatever, which are now applied more uh smartly let's say and in a more overall polished way but tosspot has some legendary casting moments as well the only thing that i would hold against tosspot is you could do like a top five of great tosspot casts and they're all awesome 
But you also kind of get the feeling that because of the way he casted, he was just throwing darts at a dartboard. And he had so he cast everything in the exact same way that it was bound to eventually culminate in like one really awesome moment. So I, I would mark him down slightly for that. But yeah, and also yeah, obviously DJ DJ Wee, uh legend. But for me, I, I'd go Joe Miller. I actually think Joe Miller, in terms of like casting different games at a very high level, at let's say an eight point five or a nine out of ten level, I don't think anyone matches up, up Joe Miller. And I don't think you have to. It's not like. I wouldn't say, oh, Sadikis can't be the GOAT unless he goes to other games and, you know, proves that he can do it there or something. But I do give extra credit for him having done that. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say Joe Miller for me. By the way, I think we should just make this that it was the play-by-play. Because, like, the problem is to me, oh, the sorry, analyst, yeah. like, like for example, like, how can I compare, like, our horses to, like, DJ yeah. Wheeler? It's, it's two apples and oranges. So, yeah, let's make it play-by-play courts. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah for I me, never... I... I... <laughs> I was just listening to to your responses, and then you just said Tosspot like six times in in about thirty seconds. It kind of hit me. His name's literally Tosspot. Like, how do you even get away? I mean, it shows you. It's well. You have to realize, I'm not joking, Foxtrot. Tosspot was would have been such a mild thing to say on the internet when he began in the 2000s. It would it wouldn't even register. Oh yeah. Like back then, spoiler. I used to drop my favorite word with a C. Can't like every fucking sentence, Smith. I was just that was, but no one even bad at that. This this is one of the things that actually annoys me about esports. It's it's not that people can just acknowledge like, oh yeah, there was a drastic ideological change in the industry, including which demographics get to decide all cultural norms about five or six years ago. No, no. What we do is we do some like fucking 1984 shit where we're like it was always like this what do you mean wow this tweet from 2014 that's unacceptable it's like no it, it, it there was an absolute change it was a very different world back when some of these names were doing it yeah for sure <laughs> oh i, I just mean, throw it, one so i just throw one more name back in there he's definitely not in the conversation <laughs> but i think in terms of pure voice and obviously most of the work he does now is like hosting work which he's better suited to but for people who don't know, Machine used to do casting like more than the, or he didn't ever used to do host work. He started out as a caster. I mean, like, CSGO is a caster now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now he's gone full circle now, but he, he used to do like really small events or like local events like iSeries and stuff like that back in the day doing uh, casting. And I mean, he used to play himself like Call of Duty competitively, not at like a super, super high level, but a pretty decent level, like what you'd call like tier three Counter-Strike now or something like that. And uh, so he knew the games that he was casting on as well. And he had, he has a really good voice for casting, really good cadence. He doesn't have like as much of experience, of course, as some of these other people. So sometimes he gets like the inflections wrong or something or his like voice goes up at just the wrong time or whatever. But I think in terms of like a natural voice for casting, he is, has a really awesome voice. And if he, if he keeps casting uh, CSGO, I wouldn't be surprised in a couple of years if he was like- Oh, he could be gutted. He's got the, the potential, best. yeah. By the way, here's one thing as well that does ruin this whole convo for me. It's because I know so many of the casters. Put it this way, Monty in League and then Semler in CSGO have both done that thing where, because I do this as well, if you're an expert in a field, one of the most annoying things is the way people try to relate to you is they just give their expert opinion about your specialist subject. So they'll come in and go, course, oh, you're in CSGO, yeah, course, simple's still the best. And like, they'll start giving all these mad takes, right? And sometimes they just give a take that's mad off. So basically, when everyone's is, I won't say which names, certain people are like goated in the absolute best. Both Monty and Semler, because it's their specialist field, have told me times where they're like, oh yeah, listen out for when he does this. And then when they've done that, it ruins the whole caster <laughs> because they, they actually, they, yeah. they're so good at knowing like the technical details. Like They've pointed out certain things, like annoying things the caster does. And, if, and when they point it out, mate, it ruins it because he just it's like you can't not see that then. You're like, oh, bloody hell, you ruined it for me. Well, that's Why have you done that? 
That's the that's most exacerbated with people like Anders and D-Man because they do have little small oh, of course. things. Yeah. And then once you hear them once, like really profoundly, you can never unhear it. And you're like, oh, okay, yes. never mind. I per personally, this is maybe like, I know and Anders obviously one of the goats of, of CS casting for sure. Of the Anders-Semler partnership, I actually always preferred Semler, to be honest. Like, I know I what you together mean. they were yeah. awesome, but I, I always really liked Semler. I felt... The funny thing is, everyone thinks that Anders is, because his voice is just the iconic voice. But I always thought, like, man, I thought Semler is just, like, a really fun cast to listen yeah. to, mate. His, his energy is fucking amazing, I think, yeah. Hmm. Well, it's funny you guys mentioned Semler, because for me, given my, my take on who the best casters are... Um, obviously, I'm way more knowledgeable on like League of Legends scene and stuff, but I I I love esports and I've I've watched lots of different stuff and I used to play a shit ton of Counter Strike when I was when I was younger, and uh, so I was well into like the early days of CS:GO esports and when Nip was still goated and Get Right was like you know the big boy Simple wasn't around yet, and uh, similar for me was he Semler and Sadikis I think are two really great casters. I think CS:GO has some phenomenal broadcast talent like literally just i think the, it's the most like, pay for casters yeah yeah it's for mega. sure like like the, the the way that the casting is done as well stylistically in the game you don't have that kind of like play-by-play -play color necessarily i mean sometimes i guess when you have a pairing like anders and semler from from what I that's remember the thing because you wouldn't really more... call similar a color caster would you they're kind of like co right. for me they're like co exactly casters. there's you kind of kind of just have two people who do similar stuff right both you would not have someone who takes all the well you don't have team fights in counter-strike you know I mean? you don't have someone who just like takes all the team fights the hype man and then the man who gives the details it's like both of them are just shouting and going crazy and they're all you know they're they're all they both take the hype moments you know like yeah, and I thought just Semler's voice for it is brilliant, and like he was really good at it. Sadikis, I really liked as well. I think I think he's great. You know, even Death Talent, like you mentioned, um, Machine. I haven't heard much of Machine's casting, but he is for me the goat um, host in oh, any sports. Like absolutely, you know. And, and and you know, we you've got great hosts. You've got you know like uh, Richard Lewis and and like Shocks and Dash and stuff like that, but. For me, machine. I'll give you some info because obviously I've worked with all these people you're talking about in CSGO. What made Machine unique is that exactly the reason why he is now a caster is that unlike the other people who did that role, oftentimes there were people who just weren't going to be in other roles or they actually liked that. Like Richard actually liked leading the desk and yeah. the broadcast and having a coherent feel to it and not making it right. The difference is Machine always wanted to be a star. Well, the problem is by definition, usually host role is the opposite of the star. You're the guy giving the layup. So what you would do essentially is the joke is he was like a Atticus Joe Miller of hosting, he would himself be trying to come up with a little wordplay or play off something that me or Yanko or Sponge did, you know, so he was the best at that. The others were just really, like, professional or we knew them and they were friends and stuff. That guy actually, he actually, you could tell, even in that role, which usually people aren't looking at, essentially, he could he could see his talent was there. That's why it doesn't surprise yeah. me he just transitioned and just became a star as the caster instead. He's just he's just so good on camera. He really, I worked with him on a uh, on an ESL UK scene league thing or whatever. And he rolled in like I don't know. He flew in from I think he lives in he lives in like Malta or something. He's been there for a while, yeah. Yeah, like he he rolled in for the weekend or whatever, showed up and he was like, you know, if it, if it was like sports camp, sports camp, wow, like you know, like training camp, for, like before the the season starts, he rolled in like you know, overweight and smoking a you know like a six pack or something, and then um, 
just came in and just you know ran circles around all the young kids at camp and made the team and was like the top goal scorer type thing like that that's what and the that's way. what he did for this that specific broadcast like he just showed up and sure. just like his his pure talent i'm not saying that he's a lazy it's why guy. by the way i knew 100 percent he was going to nail it when he did lec because like it doesn't even know league of legends as far as i know yeah. by the way guys but yeah. the difference yeah. is his charisma and also he's not going to like fuck up on stage you know what i mean like yeah. people yeah. don't know it's actually a bit like being a pro player part of being a, the being a great pro player is just don't make mistakes you let the other guy make all the mistakes you just ease into your game like a lot of talent can't do that they have to feel like everything's nailed on i know what i'm doing next i'm not i'm talking yeah. about they, i knew he would just rizzle dizzle his way through that when he came to lec because like his fucking presence is just mega and the joke is he's the sort of guy where he could even just make a joke on himself not knowing league and that would instantly make you think oh, why are we judging him to the start you just you're just on his side yeah. he just wins you over is just through the roof it's, it's and mental, I, yeah. I value that so highly i value charisma as as a broadcast talent for me your charisma is, is your most important facet and you can't necessarily teach i agree that, but it's, it's the thing you have to have nailed down which is why i, I i'm in myself, I'm quite critical of League of Legends broadcast in general because sure. I don't think there's a lot of charisma in the league scene. No, you look no. at other, other other games like Counter Strike and even like the like uh, fighting games or just in general FPS games. I guess you can include Valorant and, and stuff like that as well. Um, I find like League is just far too analytical focused. It's like you got people who know a lot about the games, but they shouldn't really be in front of camera. They just don't. Yeah. I just don't, I don't know. They just don't have that charisma. Here's the problem. It's cause people stupidly take feedback from social media and Reddit. And if you ever read there, yeah. think about what I just said earlier about the sort of guy who posts on Reddit. They all have to pretend they're the super genius. Everyone just pretends they only listen to League of Legends for a hardcore, like in-depth yeah. analysis. Whereas they don't. Like I've said this to people who are friends of mine in League of Legends, like Law and fucking a bunch of women who felt insecure about their position. Or like, do, do people think I don't know enough? I was like, who gives a fuck? I said, the reason we want you is for you to be you your charisma, your fucking personality, that's what we're listening to the broadcast for, like, the whole point is Cadrell's gonna say all the shit in the game, don't worry about that like, no one's judging you off if you're an expert so, I agree mate, people just get sidetracked by that way too much I'd rather have, like, people like Shox just flex who they are, their personality It is, it's, you're you're honestly fighting a losing battle as well, because I'll, I'll use Vedius as an example, like for the first I don't know. Honestly, since he started casting up until LEC became a thing, generally the general opinion of him on social media and Reddit wasn't particularly positive. And the uh, nerdlinger they all thought, right? <laughs> Let's be huh? real. They just thought he was a nerdling. That's right, all right. That, yeah. that was the vibe, I, right? Yeah, of course. I, I don't, you know, like the thing is that he he knew a lot and and, and he sure. literally speaking, he was he was very solid. He was great. But even when you read feedback on social media and on Reddit and stuff, or, or people's criticisms, they'd all say, or a very, very common, you'd see the things like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And conversely, when I went on, when I did EU Masters, when I first started that, and then when I went on the ULCS and then the LEC, people would say, oh, I like Fox, yeah, he, he actually knows what he's talking about. And it's like, Bedius knows so much shit, and he puts it out there, and, and, he, and he's very good at communicating it to the audience. I don't know as much as Vedius, and I don't even try to try and be that analytical guy. I try and entertain and try and make the games fun to listen to. And yet, the general kind of consensus that I could see on social media was Vedius doesn't know what he's talking about, Foxtrot does. Because the audience, they don't know what they want. They don't know what they're listening to. You know, they just yes. liked me because I have more of like a, you know, the, the charisma side of things. I made it like whatever. My style was more likable. And so they're like, oh, I like him. Therefore, I must, and I'm, I've got this huge giga brain as, as a big League of Legends viewer. Therefore, it must be because he's, he knows what he's talking about. It's like, it's not. And when you read any kind of cast a thread, 
and no one knows the difference between play by play and, and color as well. It's like whenever you see worlds and stuff, and it's like, oh, my dream world finals. Uh, oh, they're like, always cringe where they put yeah, like three yeah. play by players together yeah. or something. Exactly. Yeah. And yes. that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. For the cast. And it's just like, you know, not, they just they just don't know. And so I just think, honestly, you just got to have that charisma. You got you got to have the voice for it as well. These are things you just can't necessarily. I've just remember. I've just remembered that when the original uh, stuff was happening with this happened within like two consecutive months or whatever. Echo Fox happened with uh, Rick Fox getting involved with some blah blah blah, and then a month later or a month before, whenever it was, Shaquille O'Neal was announced as like an investor in NRG, and yes. I remember the threads and people were saying stuff. It would be so cool if Rick oh. Fox came on the analyst desk. Oh, it's like, what? Please. You, are, you are, that's like asking your fucking uncle or something. To, like, he's just going to be there and it. like, I, I just really hope we have a really great game yeah. of League of Legends. And the thing is as well, this even happened. They even did something similar before Worlds. I don't know if you saw this, like before the opening ceremony or whatever. They had John Needham and some girl who was like part of the production team for Riot whatever. Two people who knew nothing about League of Legends. And I think Shox or someone was interviewing them and, and they were just replying stuff like, what are you looking forward to the most? And John Lean was like, God, well, gee, God, when you see what we've done oh, for this opening ceremony, on, oh, it's going to be, oh, it's, it, let me tell you, we've been working around the clock. Of a, and then she'd like push a little bit and be like, so which team are you rooting for? He's like, wow, we got two great squads here. Like, oh, God. <laughs> and it just goes on Love for like that. 10 minutes. And you're just like, no minute, one wants to see I've this. I've got, I'll give you a mad little last story about wrap up if people don't be nice. I've got a mad detail though that I haven't shared anywhere else. I only found this out recently myself and it's mad because it's one of those ones that's like a, Imagine if I knew that back then, right? This is mental. When I was going through and unblocking a bunch of idiots on Twitter, right? I found an old tweet from the NRG org, and it was only a few days, are you ready, Rich, after Shaq joined as an investor, and it was a tweet to me on Twitter saying, like, can you DM us or something? And I never saw this tweet at the time. So logically, since that was yeah. a few months after I did the burn on him, yeah, yeah. I'm almost certain they probably wanted to do a collab thing since he just joined. Because yeah. logically, it'd be something like that, like, you know, we interview him, or just a second. but it never happened. So basically, sadly, there could have been, like, a part two to that story, but it was one of those, like, fucking, I'll use a mad dated reference, like, whatever, what was it, like, Closing Doors or whatever that movie was. Sliding Doors. There you go. It's the way you <laughs> oh, even knew what I was shit, referencing yeah. with a man through a reference. Because that, that movie basically is about, like, you know, what happened if one thing changed in his... Yeah. It's Shit movie, by the way. Don't go watch it, but it's a bad reference. But don't, basically, don't, that could have been that moment. Who knows what would have yeah, happened? But right? don't, don't even worry about it, mate, because fucking Jake Lucky got to do a content piece with Shaq instead. So we got the best of that world, didn't we? That's that was a, the perfect sports esports crossover right there, melting in the middle with Jake Sucky. Brilliant. Excellent. Sucky fucking hell. One thing I'm gonna I'm gonna add before we leave this conversation of goat casts because we honestly like it's all it's all subjective. We've been talking for ages. Actually, two things. Firstly, I wasn't sure of the of Semler's name. I just remember like his uh his voice and stuff. Okay. I haven't watched years ago. So I was googling whatever, and like I remember Semler as clean shaven. Oh, like, he was. Kind of, like, yeah, yeah. Really like neat and kind of sure. slick back hair. I looked up a picture and he's like bald with like a um. Like shaved head and like a really gristly it's super masculine like, now basically yeah. yeah i was like no that's not him and then i on google images i'm like wait what oh shit that is it <laughs> it's like holy fuck what happened there um i'll tell you what so, happened yeah. by the way that he shaved his head i think this is right ever since after he did i don't know if you remember that reality show thing that they did but this is like a few years ago like the csgo what was it called it was like teams of play players competing to like be on this roster and it was like a full-on like reality show and semler was the host 
Oh, right. What was it? Oh, do you mean like the Swedish one or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. It was the one where famously one of the guys said like a bunch of like fucking, I think like racial slurs or something yeah, mental yeah. On, on the on the broadcast or something. I didn't get a second season, I'll <laughs> tell you that much. But I remember seeing, yes. I remember seeing Semler doing a LAN shortly after that. And I was like, that <laughs> that, that took its toll on him for sure. It's like shaved head. Everything had gone. So yeah. that was uh, and- that moment. The last, the last, the last, uh, last thing that I'll say as well. I'm throwing a hat in the ring here for Goat Rivington Bisland the third. Hell no, purely That's a League of Legends no. take right there, man. Yeah, come yeah, on. but okay, but you know what I'm rating here, right? His voice, his voice, and I do believe his his charisma, like his his broadcasts. I think he's a very amiable caster. I never disliked yeah. him for that way. Yeah, I think, I think for those reasons. He was always like if, I. I think if you take the perspective of someone who's never watched League of Legends, knows nothing about esports in general, and you're like, "This is what I watch, and this is what I find fun." You sit them in front of like Rivington as a play-by-play. I think they'd. He's he's the caster that I think they're someone who is at, knows absolutely nothing about esports would enjoy listening to. Oh, moment. I agree with that. I want to know something, by the way. I can already predict for you because I know so much about the internet, mate. Right, the mm. comment section of this video, Rich, will just be people saying we're wrong because it's Captain <laughs> Flowers. I'm not joking. Oh. That'll literally be because here's the problem: people in League of Legends only know League of Legends. So I'm sorry, you if, just go watch a Canadian cast and shut the fuck up. <sighs> Yeah, Mark, sure, Mark, the Cap is great. I'm gonna say he's that. good. Yeah, but we're talking really about the goats now, man. Yeah. You know, the goats. Really good. My biggest issue with people like Captain Flowers, but also in particular with Rivington, is that it's like it's so quintessentially American, but like not in the. It's like every time I can't. Uh, no, Riv for me. I th- he has a a good like radio voice. Let's call it that. Yeah. But it, yeah. it'll just be like. And that's a team fight, and Nexus is on the menu. It's like, no, I'm out. I'm out. It's just, it's no, 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 no. I can't. Fair play. All right. That's all we've got to talk about today. You guys have anything you want to add to any of the points, any of the things we mentioned? All right. Brilliant stuff. Well, it's been a while since we've done this. I've almost forgotten how to. How to how to talk esports, but I think we got through more or less. Uh, it's a pleasure seeing you, lovely gentlemen, once again. I missed you so dearly, and hopefully, we might honestly the next episode might be gonna say in the new year is that true i don't know maybe who knows who knows if anything's to go by it might be 20 new year new year um from from how we've been how we've been going but no thank you so much for being here guys it was lovely and thank you so much for watching we'll see you soon